For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm the repentant Drew Mindell. It is my fault for being delayed this e- this morning. I was all set up, ready to go, and all of a sudden my microphone kicked out and then the panic ensued yes i am getting the thumbs down from mr manuk i will take that as a big fat l next to my name on this one instance nonetheless i hope you all forgive me as we spend the next couple of hours with you talking about the winnipeg jets the impressions of the team through the first four games the attendance woes in the home barn and of course getting you set for this evening's contest in Edmonton against the Oilers. The Jets and the Oilers will do battle later tonight, 9 o'clock, which means post-game will start shortly before midnight. I must say, gentlemen, we all color-coordinated quite well tonight. Very A lot of blue on the look for us today. Looking good, Mr. Ginsburg, playing under the weather today like the hero that you are. Yeah, I appreciate that, Drew. I feel absolutely awful. Uh, I've got quite the cough, so I, I might have to go pick up some Buckley's after the show in uh, as I wait to do the, as you mentioned, the late Jets Oilers postgame show. But yeah, love the fact that we all wore blue, supporting Kentucky, obviously supporting Naturally. the state of Israel as well, supporting Brock Corden School, which our kids go to. That's what this hoodie is. It's a Brock Corden, uh, not sure if you can see it here, but it's a Brock Corden Bears uh, hoodie. And by the way, boys, before we get started, we have to wish a very happy 40th birthday to my best friend, someone who obviously means a lot to a lot of us, Dave's first cousin, Drew, your really good friend, Richie Pollock, turns 40 years old today. Unfortunately, I'm not going to go. Be able no, he to doesn't. Go he doesn't turn 40 years old. Tuesday. Today. He turns 40 well, on Tuesday. Well, he, he it's his 40th <laughs> birthday party tonight, so it's his birthday. Fair enough. <laughs> I like where you were heading with that, and Dave and I were both just sitting there, just just, just waiting, waiting on pins and needles for yes, him to say it. So we can is down Tuesday, but we're, uh, we're hold on, Izzy, we got we got a bigger controversy, guys. Hold on. Spencey just said, but it's not his 40th birthday. And you just said your best friend. Oh, that's true. That's going to that's gonna be awkward. awkward for the rest of the show. One of my best friends, Spencey. There we go. One ah, of my okay. best friends. There you go. That's yeah, love way to Richie. cover your ass there. It's going to be a nice party. I know Drew's going to drink. Uh, he's going to make up for what I would have drunk at uh, your party. But yes, his actual birthday is Tuesday. But uh, yeah, got to get that in there. Even though we're going to have a post-game show on Tuesday, the Jets play the Blues, I believe. Yeah. At 745 start. Yeah, that normal 745 start. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll wish him another happy birthday on Tuesday, boys. It's this is the well-oiled machine this show is as per usual there, Dave. I'm the, you know, it was off to a seamless beginning on this Saturday morning uh, as we continue <laughs> on our regular journey anyway, talking this is about lemon the ginger water that I'm drinking. Naomi filled this big bubba up with lemon ginger water. So that's what I'm going to be drinking all, all during the show. Ironically, that's also what she calls you, Big Bubba. So it, it works both <laughs> ways there. You know, Big Bubba's filling up Big Bubba as it happens on this Saturday morning. Dave, you have these, you, these are friend. great. I don't know if you have any Bubba products, but they're great. I do not have any Bubba products, and now I'm really. Can we stop saying the word Bubba? I'm just getting. I'm just getting uncomfortable as 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 we continue to say it. Okay, uh, the Bubba Jets. Girl. 
Yeah, the Jets into Edmonton tonight, Dave. Both teams off to uh, disappointing starts. One and three. Oilers, one and three. Winnipeg Jets, both teams scoring a lot, but both teams not uh, giving up too many goals as well. It should be a very interesting contest in the, the Alberta capital later tonight, Mr. Manuk. Yep, as Gordy said, uh, he said the Jets don't want to become one and four. I'm like, well, the Oilers are thinking the exact same thing. So you got two teams who are uh, feeling a bit snarly. Um, of course, we haven't been watching the games, but I know that uh, Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft was less than pleased dropping some F-bombs after their loss in Philadelphia, I believe, where they lost to the Flyers 4-1. So uh, folks at Edmonton are feeling a little surly when, you know, the when the um, collective pundits were picking the Oilers to be Stanley Cup champions and they start the way they do. It's not uh, not the Did best those pundits thing. know that they had Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner in that. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I like Campbell and Skinner, like they're good guys and everything like that. But like through the first four games, guys, like I think there's a lot of parallels. Right, boys? Like sure. mm-hmm. both of these teams are scoring goals. Right. Like that's not the issue. Like they I believe the Oilers have four players above a point per game right now. You've got obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman. I'm forgetting somebody there, but like they're getting the goals. Yeah. But the goaltending has not been good. Like Jack Campbell was good against uh, Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, the one win they came back in that victory. Yeah, right? and he had I think 42, 43 saves. Um, but they're having the same issues as the Jets are, right? Like they're they're turning the puck over and they're just not getting adequate goaltending. It's actually five players with a point per game. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evan Bouchard on the back end. Uh, Bouchard has four points in four games, all of them assists. But uh, the Oilers, you're right, very similar. They're, they're, you know, there I think are parallels between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers, certainly mm-hmm. to start the year. I would say the Oilers had more uh, Stanley Cup aspirations than the Jets do. Um, you know, I think that's, I don't think I'm breaking any news with that. The Oilers fancy themselves as one of the upper echelon teams in the Western Conference with Dreisaitl and McDavid, of course. I mean, I don't need to name the names. Everyone knows them. Uh, And both teams, you know, uh, if the Oilers are ornery, then the Jets are surly. So it should make a good battle tonight between ornery and surly. Uh, (laughs) Surly only looks after the one person. Surly. Surly. Sorry, surly. Well, I mean, the only thing I would add, Drew, is that you you have to think that Connor Hellebuck knows that he needs to be Connor Hellebuck. And regardless of whether he generally starts slowly, this is an instance where they Jets need him to be the Vesna goaltender that he is and can be. And and look, the fact is, and you're talking about early impressions of the Jets, it's not like the Jets have been terrible through four games. And 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 as some folks pointed out, the best year in the history of the Jets 2.0, 17-18, I believe the Jets also started one and three. So uh it's not the world doesn't end when you're one and three to start the season. Now you don't want to be one. So the Jets are going to the West final. Okay. That's basically what I'm saying. We're going to, we're going to play back the October 21st uh, version of this show. You don't you worry as I'll, I'll make a note of it. And if they do, we'll come back and we'll look like uh, Nostra Davis. But if we don't, then I'll never mention it ever again. Wasn't there a big game against, I know this is crazy that I remember it. Remember this considering how many brain cells I've killed, (laughs) but wasn't there a big game against Edmonton back then too, that, that turned the season around. Like if you go back to the 2017-18 season, I seem to remember. I, I might be completely it was wrong about this. Th- it was Thanksgiving Monday. It was. It was. It was. If you're, if we're talking about the same game, Ezzy. Yeah. It was. It Healer was Canadi- scored a really nice goal. I remember. It was Canadian Thanksgiving Monday. Bufflin was uh, was scratched because he was injured. Mm-hmm. And the Jets went into Edmonton. If you remember, they they had started that year by giving up leads in the first few games where they right. scored. Yeah, that was game, that was game three. Leads. That was the game they won five two. Right, and they were up. So they, they did went, play Edmonton the third game of the year. Yeah, yeah. So they they, 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 they got, 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 got. I remember that. 
No. Yeah, they got they got beat by badly by Toronto. Then they lost to Calgary in Calgary. Then they went to Edmonton and won five two. Yes. Then they were up two nothing, and then they blew the lead. And then, if I recall correctly, Paul Maurice used his timeout because Edmonton scored two goals real quick to tie it up. And then the Jets sort of settled down, and then they won that game. And sort of the pressure, the 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 boiling cauldron of water was relieved a little bit uh, on that game. I remember I did post game for that game on the old departed radio station, so I remember it being Thanksgiving Monday, and and. Uh, you know, no, there was no turkey to be served. Let me tell you, that was just me and, and, and Slick Rick in, in in a darkened studio, uh, late at night on on a on a Monday. If I, you know, and uh, yeah, good memory. You were, all just, you were just getting uh, candy out of that old vending machine at the. Oh, that uh, vending machine candy, candy was a relic. <laughs> well, I, and for the record, now that I've now that I've actually researched it, it is the Jets did not start one and three that season. They started zero and two, and then they won the next three. Ah, oh, there so you go. Okay. That person got it wrong. Close enough. Good enough that we <laughs> remembered that one game at the Thank very you. least. Let, let's talk, and we'll get more into the into the nuts and bolts of the Jets and the Oilers later on as we go through the show this morning. But sure. you know, let's let's sort of talk about the the first impressions of the Jets. We know the record isn't where they want it to be, one mm-hmm. and three. We know that they're giving up way too many goals. They've given up at least four goals in every game this season. I don't think uh, you need to be a hockey expert uh, to know that that's not sustainable for long term success. But at the same time, right now, small sample sizes. No, uh, you know, unquestionably, the Jets are fourth in the NHL in possession at five on five. Mm-hmm. And if you believe that five on five possession usually translates, uh, you know, correlates well with team success, well, that's certainly a good sign. But so uh, just sort of an overarching question for you both to bat around to start your your initial impressions of these Winnipeg Jets through the first four games. I think you summed it up really nicely there, Drew. Like the Jets have played pretty well in their first four games. Like Dave and I were talking about this yesterday when we uh, we got together for a little bit, we were having a little uh, communique, and the Jets oh. outshot the what was it ten nothing? <laughs> somebody the... else wasn't invited. <laughs> no, but it was uh, no, know. you didn't Go miss ahead. anything, Drew. But uh, the Jets were out shooting the Golden Knights ten nothing in the third period, right? So like the Jets came out flying in the third, and look at, I mean, the Jets haven't got good goaltending. I, I don't think we can sugarcoat that. I'm not saying that you know Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois are the reason why the Jets are one and three. But I mean, just look at this. Like, what is Hellbuck's save percentage? Eight forty-five, and I think his, his he's got a something like it's like a bad goal save above expected, right? And again, Connor Hellebuck is one of the best goalies in the NHL, if not the best goalie. So I'm not you know coming down on him. It's only three starts for him. I think he will be better, and it'll start tonight against the Oilers in Edmonton. But one of the things that has bothered me, and I'm sure you guys talked about it on the last two post-game shows, like I don't like the turnovers and I just don't like the way the Jets are, are managing the puck. And, and again, I'm not going to single out any one player, but it's the defense that has really let this team down. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's a, that's, that comes from a team defense standpoint. Well, so I think let me, you let me stop about... you right there, Ezzy. Sure. Let me stop you right there for a second and ask you this. So we knew that at the start of this season, the defense – was going to be the question mark for the team. We thought that the forward lines with the increased depth and, and, and you know, and the ability, you know, obviously the Velarde injury is a factor and we'll talk about that, but we thought that the forward lines would be fine. How does the defense improve? Like, where does this improvement on the back end come from? Because it doesn't seem like there's going to be an airlift of resources onto the Jets back end. The defense is what the defense is. It's largely mm-hmm. the same as it was last year. So, you know, why... Why will the defense turn things around? That's the question I have, and I don't know that there's any you know specific 
if there's any easy answers coming from the same defensive group that struggled last season. Well, and I'll do respect to Logan Stanley. I don't think, you know, he is the answer. I think no, Nate I Schmidt should go back in. Well, I, I mean, I think Declan, Declan I think Declan Chisholm deserves a, a shot. I mean, like he has earned his stripes, right? Like Dave, like he's played really well in the American Hockey League and mm-hmm. that's a possibility. So, I mean, I, I would assume they're, they're, Stanley's going to come out and one of Schmidt or Chisholm would go in. I would, if, if, if I was a betting man, I'd probably say Schmidt goes back in. We'll see what happens. I mean, we're going to find out later today, presumably, right? But it's got to be internal improvements, Drew, to answer your question, right? Like, I mean, like like Josh Morrissey, Dylan DeMello, Brendan Dillon, Dylan Sandberg, everybody's got to be better. Neil Pionk, everybody's got to be better. Uh, and, you know, like, when you look at how well the Jets are playing at five on five, and and we'll get into the forward lines because I I also don't think Mason Appleton should be up on that top line. Like I think mm-hmm. it should be Alex Iafallo or Nino Niederreiter, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Iafallo or Niederreiter. Like Iafallo is a left winger, so I, I you know you have to figure out what you want to do there. Maybe it's Niederreiter, but Iafallo scored two goals, including one in the power play. So I think he's earned that, and that was one of the reasons why he was included in the Pierre Luc Dubois trade is because he can play on the third line, the second line, the first line, right? So we'll get into that. But, you know, I I think, you know, look, the Jets don't have, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights defense, or they don't have, you know, the depth that the Carolina Hurricanes have. They just don't. Um, But, you know, if you're scoring three or four four goals a game on most nights, I mean, you should be having a pretty good chance to win, right? So, like, uh, it's it's a big issue right now. And, And, you know, the Jets have to figure it out because with the exception of, you know, calling up a Kyle Capobianco who scored for the Moose last night um, or making a trade. I mean, this is the, it's the same top six Jets defenseman that they had last year, right? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, it, it's got to come from internal improvements. Dave, I mean, what, what are you seeing? I mean, you've, you've been watching them as closely as, as we have, of course, and you've been watching the mm-hmm. Moose as you always do. And I'm sure we'll touch on the Moose and their defeat last night uh, at the hands of the Iowa Wild later on in the show. But, you know, from, from the perspective, you know, you know, we've been doing, you know, these post games, you know, it, it's been very similar. A lot of these games where the Jets and I mean, Scotty Billick wrote about it, I think in the sun, either yesterday or two Today. days ago, self-inflicted wounds. I mean, Rick yeah. bonus himself is saying that some of the plays in their own zone are, 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 you know, not hard enough. Not that the players themselves have been soft, but that yeah. the plays that have been, that have led to turnovers have been soft plays. So right. is that fixable? Or is that just a function of the defense being the same as last year? Means why we should the Le- why would we expect the leopard to change their spots? Yeah, I mean for sure that's it's definitely a um, a good point by you, Drew. I don't think that the defense you know you know what the defense is in on mm-hmm. this team, and you knew that it, you look you were expecting improved goaltending with Laurent Bressois over David Riddich, who isn't even in the NHL anymore. He's was sent to the O eight uh, to the OHL to the, the Ontario OHL. Hockey League. They really demoted him. <laughs> well, he was sent to Ontario, but not the Ontario Hockey League to Ontario Reign, of yeah. course, the Kings. He's really club. stoning those 17 and 18 year olds, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's showing them who's boss, is he? But the fact is that he's dominating the dojo if you want the side yeah, exactly. reference. Yeah, just like Kramer. Yeah. So look, I mean it it's it's funny because you know the world is ending, and then we tried to remind folks, you know, Drew on that post game show on Thursday. Vegas is a pretty damn good team. Vegas is five and zero, and the Jets could have beaten Vegas. And so, you know, their goal differential, I think it, it was plus ten coming into the game. So it's not like you were going up against the worst team in the NHL, and you played a poor game. You played a pretty good game. You could have won. And again, miscues cost you that hockey game. But 
it was it was it was well within reach of winning that game, and and that's one of the things. And look, you you can't... Logan Thompson made a highlight reel save. I mean, highlight reel save a number of them. I mean, the one the the paddle the fatty one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Iafalo, uh, it was a blocker, I think, on Iafalo, right? Like that was Kyle Connor. He made it. As he Kyle Connor, he made an unbelievable save on. So yeah. so again, look, you're not going to be. You're not going to be resting on moral so, victories, Drew. Just quick, let me just get this yeah. in. You're not going to rest on moral victories 20 games into the season, not even, maybe not even 10 games into the season. But right now, with the way the Jets are playing overall as a team, you know, if you can tighten up the things that you need to tighten up, and I agree with Ez, and we'll talk about the lines and, and adjusting those a little bit. But I think that this team really is just a few mistakes here and there from, from really, if you're looking at them as a whole, as a collective through four games, they've played really two bad periods against LA. Uh-huh. And they've made miscues through games, which again have ended up in the back of their net because the tenders haven't been who we usually expect them to be. So, so to me, it's a function of this Jets team has actually played all right. You're not panicking at the disco right now. You're thinking that if they can keep this up and fix those little mistakes here and there. And look, I, I mean, there's no bigger wake up call. So sloppy as opposed to systemic is what you're saying with that's what I would say errors. Yeah, I think so. And I think that look, I was gonna say there's no bigger wake up call for a veteran player like like Nate Schmidt to hear from your head coach publicly that, you know, there's mistakes in your game and that you need to clean them up. So, I mean, that's the wake up call that, uh, that, I mean, Nate Schmidt was, was healthy scratched once last year. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know what is his history of being healthy scratched in other organizations, whether it's Vancouver or Vegas or Washington, but, but ultimately when a veteran player gets that healthy scratch that you hope as a, as a coach, that that's the wake up call they need. And, and hopefully they changed some of these D pairings a little bit because, you know, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk don't work. And it just, it isn't, it, it, they really need to go back to the Duluth connection of they're going to keep this core together. If they're not going to include inject Chisholm into the lineup, then what you do is I, in my mind, you would go Dillon with um, um, Schmidt and Sandberg with, yeah. uh, with Pionk. And I think boys, sorry, Drew, just to, and we'll go back to you in a second here. No, Cause it's not going to be long, but the, one of the main reasons why I think you go Nate Schmidt in Edmonton, is because at one and three, you know, is this really the game you want to put Declan Chisholm in, right? Like you're one against and three McDavid going... and Drysaitel, <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of what. I, and, and again, I'm a big fan of Declan Chisholm's game. I think he is going to play in the NHL, and it's probably going to happen this year, right? Like he made the team, so he he currently is the eighth defenseman. So I'm not saying that I don't think Declan Chisholm is a good player. I do think he's going to play for the Jets this year. I'm just saying I think when you when you have two one and three teams. And you're going up against the big bad Oilers with, you know, Dry Seidel, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins and others. I just don't think, you know, game five of the season is is when you want to put Chisholm in here. Well, and I, I could see Logan. You you talk about Logan Stanley. I mean, his foot speed, I think, is a liability against the Oilers. I mean, I know that you know Rick Bonus elected to put him in the lineup, uh, you know, on Thursday night because of his size. I mean, he doesn't play a physical game, and just because he's tall, I mean, I think that there's, there's a misnomer that he plays a physical game. He doesn't. I mean, that's just not his play, much like it wasn't Tyler Myers' play either. He's more about angles and position and things of that nature. Whether or not he does it successfully is a separate issue entirely. But, uh, you know, against, you know, if, if, if you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid are on the ice against Logan Stanley, it, that's a mismatch, you know, ahead of tonight's game, simply because they can burn him. Now, mm-hmm. McDavid and Dreisaitl can burn almost any defenseman in the league, but you right. definitely don't want, you, you, you know, it's going to be a skating game when you play the Edmonton Oilers. It's not a physical game like it is against the Golden Knights when they're, you know, when they're big and they're, and they're, and they're and- aggressive and, and, and they use their, you know, man mountain size against you. Well, and then to that point, then Drew, I mean, the best skater on the defensive core 
Declan Chisholm alongside Josh Morrissey is probably Declan Chisholm. So, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a guy who has speed, has the ability to stick with guys. And again, I think his defensive play has improved. I mean, we tend to think when we think of Declan Chisholm as an offensive player, but I think defensively we've seen improvement in that element of his game. It's one of the things he said he worked on over the summer. So to me, you know, you say, is this the game you want him in? Well, one of the things that we saw from this jet decor and it was uncharacteristic. And I talked about it on Thursday. The passing wasn't good. The passing was not crisp to say the least. And it was killing a lot of plays in the neutral zone. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't go up the ice with any speed because you were, look, you were searching for passes that were behind you that weren't on your tape that weren't where you were going to be. It was where you had been. So to me, that was part of the problem. And again, that's one of the um, skills that, that Declan possesses is his ability to feed the puck up quickly. Now I know yeah. he had some hiccups in, in preseason and I'm sure there was a lot of stress on, on a, on a player like him. Who's, you know, knows that he's on that, in that bubble. But I think now that he knows that he's got a window of two months here to make an impression, I think that removes a lot of the, um, the, the, insecurity perhaps that you know that player might be feeling in training camp when you know that you have that sort of pressure and I suspect again like I said this may be the game that you want to throw him in and throw him to the wolves a little bit and say here's your shot to I mean you're not necessarily gonna I know you don't get last change so you don't necessarily get to choose the pairs you want but you could maybe insulate him a little bit and again like I said for us if this is going to be a skating game you want one of your best skaters back there I think in the game yeah you know it's you know, it, it goes to show that the Jets' defense is very much still in a state of flux, which I don't think is a surprise at this point. You know, everyone was expecting something to happen on the defense during the offseason. Of course, nothing did. Okay, fine. And then Billy Hainala, who likely would have won himself a job, mm-hmm. you know, injures himself right at the end. Well, of the he would have been the defenseman that yeah. went in, right? Like against Vegas. Well, he would have, I think, no, I think he would have been, I think he would have been in the lineup over Nate Schmidt from the get go. Possible. I mean, that, you know, mm-hmm. that I think that's you know sort of where the 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 tea leaves were reading on that case is that he was going to be the you know the Jets' sixth defenseman and Nate Schmidt was likely going to be in the press box. Now, who knows how long that would have lasted? But situation being as it is, you know, we know that Nate Avili Hainala's injury was very untimely, and as a result, the Jets are back to the original six uh, that they had last season, and it was they weren't good enough last year. Now. You know the deep, the team in front of them, the forward group wasn't as good, uh, wasn't that great. You know defensively either. That's better this year. We know that they've shored that up. But the defense is still trying to find their sea legs under them. And the question is, can they, or is this going to be an ongoing problem for the vast majority of the season? And that's and, and that's why I think you you you're forced to make a move, right? And I, I'm not sure what that move is. Like, I know a lot of people in the chat are. You know, going on on Team Manuk's side here, and and Declan Chisholm could easily be that defenseman that goes in tonight. Like, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I just said that I I, I would kind of lean towards the veteran and Nate Schmidt. But Dave makes a lot of good points. Like, why not throw Declan in against the big bad Oilers, right? Like, it you know he, he as Dave said, right? Like, most likely Declan Chisholm would be the odd man out once Billy Hainola comes back, right? Like, you think that the Jets would keep a more veteran defenseman? So all I'm saying is. And again, guys, I don't think, look at Declan Chisholm versus Nate Schmidt is not going to determine whether or not the Jets win this game. Like, let's be clear here. The Jets team defense has to be better. Connor Hellebuck has to be better. And I think he will be better. Historically, throughout his career, he has rebounded after, you know, a a poor start or a couple of poor starts, right, boys? Like, we've seen, you know, the worst of Connor Hellebuck, but that's usually followed 
by the best of Connor Hellebuck, right? Well, I, but I, I also think they need to figure out, you know, those lines because I, I think Rick Bonus, again, I mean, who cares what I have to say, but I think he might have overthought this a little bit. Like, first off, I like Cole Perfetti up the middle. Dave and I have talked about this so many times. You know, I think he ha- he needs to stay up the middle. And I like either Niederreiter or IFL. Personally, I mean, I, I think what you do is you probably move Appleton back down yeah. um, and you keep Perfetti, you keep Perfetti, um, Iafalo, I guess, what would the line be? It would be Perfetti, no, Perfetti Ehlers, Ehlers, and, and Niederreiter. Sorry, Nemesnikov. Yeah, there you go. So you're just I, swapping. I, I mean, I, I think all you're doing, as if I if I can interrupt you there, is I yeah. think you're just swapping Appleton and Niederreiter. It never yeah. to me from the get go, yes, exactly. it, it never yes. made any sense. Yeah. Why, so, why, why Appleton goes back down to role. the third line, and then Gustafson stays on the fourth line, and there you go. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, Niederreiter's uh, sorry, Dave, but Niederreiter's got the history of being a point producer in this league. Appleton's never had that history. No, I mean, look, all due respect to what Mark Shively and Cal Connor want and having a right shot, I'd rather have a left shot who can score more goals than a right shot who doesn't necessarily score those goals. And look, Mason Appleton is what Mason Appleton is. He's a staple on the third line alongside Adam Lowry, and he provides you that PK ability. And to me, that's where he's best served. And maybe, you know, if he was, uh, I'm not going to blame the the Vegas goal, the Eichel goal on Appleton, but the fact is that, you know, he's he's best served in that third line role alongside Adam Lowry, you know, occasionally contributing offense, not having a ton of expectation on him. I understand what the, the thought process was. He'd be a digger for the line and, and get the puck and go to the dirty areas in the corners. That's what Niederreiter does, too. I understand that. And again, Niederreiter goes right to the front of the net. And, yeah. and so when we were watching the game, we talked about this on Thursday. I said I would absolutely have Nino Niederreiter in that position alongside Shifley and Connor and I'd have Appleton on the third and you really don't have to make waves with your line I think that you know I think it just becomes a function of and again as he has as we talked about I'm all for putting out IFL on the second line instead of Nemesnikov again you have options I think that would make their their, well I I just don't I I don't think they want they don't want him they want Nemesnikov at the center position right Right. now and they they also want is that that not a mistake is that not a mistake though like like I I think think he's something we can talk about with Jeff Hamilton coming up here yeah is Cole Perfetti not your second line center like I I don't think Gabe Velarde's injury should should you know take Perfetti out of that middle spot I think what happens I think what happens is that I, I think uh, this is the thought process. I think okay. Rick Bonus is an old school coach. I think Rick Bonus sees that in his, in, his, yeah, in his mind, the captain obvious, but I think that in his mind, he see, he knows that Nemes, he goes back to Nemesnikov and Ehlers having chemistry. He goes to Nemesnikov being that veteran that he can trust. And he knows that his team is one and three and he doesn't want to keep risking. Well, I guess they were one and two when he made the change, but I don't think he wants to risk pr- testing out Perfetti at that 2C option and again like i like i would probably have a little more leash for cole perfetti but i just think that you know from from the team's perspective that's just the way they're doing it they're playing it safe and they see that domestikov is more veteran and get him you but know the offensive upside of perfetti dave is so much higher than domestikov that's that's well, it's not like he's off the line i mean he just he just has less options to you know i mean to play right but anyways but I, ultimately i think look more, I, ultimately, more effective I, at center that's my point yeah and i, I, I agree I, with Ezzy. No, I'm not. Dis- I'm actually not disagreeing. I'm just. And you anointed that- him the second line center at the beginning of training camp. We talked about how unusual that was when yeah. we were at Jets Fan Fest, right? Like, so I agree. the The thing that stood out, what you said, Dave, is the leash. Like, there needs to be a little bit more leash for Cole yeah. Perfetti at, at second line center. 
For sure. Yeah, I don't think he's because I don't think he was poor at second line center. Maybe the results on in in goals and assists, you know, weren't necessarily there uh, as you would want them to be. But I do not think for for a second that they, the second line center position was a real you know area of concern for the Jets as they've been struggling here to start the to start the season. When we come back, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press is going to join us. The Jets and the Bombers have a conflict on Saturday, November 11th. We'll mention that with Jeff. The Bombers now going to host the West Final. That's going to be conflicting with the Jets' afternoon game against the Dallas Stars. We'll see how that gets resolved. I think that's the third straight year there's been a conflict with a Jets home game and the Bombers hosting the West Final. Jeff, up next, more Jets talk to come. Don't go anywhere. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of hour number one, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and we're thrilled to welcome to the program the multifaceted, the multi-talented, our good friend Jeff Hamilton. Now, Dave and Ezzy, try not to be too jealous, but Jeff and I had an opportunity to run into each other yesterday, and boy, let me tell you, did we have a good conversation that you guys missed out on. Can't tell you what it was all about, but Jeff and I have a new bond with one another that's very special. Solved pretty much life's problems. Hey, man, how you guys doing? Great to be on. Great to see your smiling faces. Great to talk about Jets and uh, holding on a little bit because winter's coming. And today, you know, I'll, I'll take any day like this for the rest. Exactly. You got? How about a meaningless bomber game? Did you did you did you see that one coming tonight, Jeff? Uh, I did I mean, not. I yeah. had to rate, so it's hilarious. Um, it's not funny at all, actually, but the Winnipeg Free Press pr- print uh, presses malfunctioned last night. So a majority of people, if not most people, didn't get their paper this morning. So I'd like to... I got t- mine. I'd, I'd like to thank... Or I'd like to thank... I'd like to apologize on behalf of the Winnipeg Free Press to everyone out there who didn't get their paper. But it was. it's kind of funny because I wrote the story kind of being like, there's still a potential the Jets could... Jets, the Bombers could clinch the West Division... But there is a slim chance that they might if Calgary can win. But I still wrote it like they would. So, like, those people didn't get those papers. They didn't have to read that, you know, usual garbage from me. So, it's uh, you know, it a little bit misleading. But I did not I did not picture that, guys. But I think that sets a, a new tone for the playoffs because BC Lions can't stop the run. It can't stop the run. And if and I don't know. I know this is a hockey show. But uh, the CFL, which was, has been pretty exciting all season, is just uh, – I think it's going to be a little bit more – it's going to be a little more exciting here in the, down the final stretch. Well, you know, as I, we were talking before the break, I think this is the third straight year, Jeff, that the there's now going to be a conflict between a Jets game and the Bombers hosting the West Final. The Jets are supposed Ooh. to host the Dallas Stars at 3 o'clock on, on Saturday, November 11th. And, of course, uh, the Bombers and whomever, either the Lions or, I guess, the Stamps or theoretically it could still be the Rough Riders, uh, are going to be playing at 5.30. So I'd expect the Bomber game is late, or the Jets game is late to move again for I think the third straight year to try and accommodate people who want to attend both. Uh, it's amazing what the Bombers have been up to and of course the, the numbers are reflective of that uh, when you look strictly at the attendance uh, between both teams and you know it's just you know the Bombers are the hottest ticket in town and the Jets tickets unfortunately for those in True North right now are, are, are struggling to make the same level of impact. It's actually, a, it's actually kind of funny I looked at the times and you're right the, the Jets will probably change the time but for TV watchers it's perfect. Yeah. Yes. It's literally perfect. Like it, a, a hockey game on average is two and a half hours. So if you're at home, assuming it didn't, doesn't go to extra time or there isn't some crazy stuff at the beginning that pushes it on, you could just literally change the channel right over because you know the game doesn't start till seven minutes after you know after the hour, right? So the for the football game. So it kind of adds up. But you're right. But I mean, yeah. I mean, those. Yeah. I'm. I don't. Uh, I was about to say I made the mistake of tweeting out 
yesterday that, you know, the relationship is better with the Bombers. And I, I got a chance to talk to the Bombers about their relationship with fans. And woo-wee, some people uh, really, really, really didn't like that one. You know, maybe it was a bit of a troll job. It wasn't my, you know, it wasn't really my full plan there. But, uh, yeah, some people came to the defense of, of the Jets. So, guys, alas, there are people out there who are supporting them through and through. So I think we'll... I think the city's going to get through this. I think the Jets are going to eventually rebound. Um, people made a lot of great points about, you know, and of course I made that point in the story. We'll see if half the people probably didn't read it, but you know, is that <laughs> winning does matter. Obviously winning does matter. And so, um, you know, I think there's other things at play with the, with the Jets low attendance numbers right now, but you, you got to imagine if this team can, can, you know, figure things out. We've seen a lot of good hockey this year, despite some of the results, but if they can figure this out, I think those attendance numbers will, uh, will climb along with the victories. Well, and, and I also think, Jeff, I think you'd agree here. Like, I remember Drew and I had season tickets a, a long time ago, yeah. and the talk, team wasn't very good. bad decisions on my part. Yeah, Drew uh, put an end to that after a couple of years. But it was a good two-year run that we had, Drew. Uh -huh, yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, you would agree, Jeff, that the, the season ticket base was solid even when the team wasn't very good, right? Like, I, I don't know what, you know, the season ticket numbers have been on a yearly basis since the, the team mm -hmm. moved to the new stadium. But the fact is, the Bombers have been supported very well, even when the team was was not doing very well. Obviously, now you know with the Grey Cups and everything like that. I mean, it makes sense that you know the the team is selling out the IG Field, right? But totally. I think that that whole narrative that you know the Jets can't. Let me try to frame this question because obviously I'm trying to get around to the to the attendance thing. I mean, the attendance has been crappy at the the first three Jets home games. I mean, there's no denying it. When you only get eleven thousand five hundred people. To, to see the defending Stanley Cup champions with all of those Manitoba connections, Mark mm -hmm. Stone, Keegan Colazar, um, Zach Whitecloud wasn't in the in the game, but Brett Howden scored a goal from Oak Bank, right? Like, that's that's a huge issue. And and I want to preface this by saying I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people are already talking about relocation. Like, totally. It, like the jet the Jets are owned by a, a Mark Chipman who's very wealthy, and and David Thompson who he's not just wealthy, he's like. He's the man, right? Like he's a there's there's wealthy, then there's wealthiest. Exactly, like he's the wealthiest. So I don't think I don't think I mean this talk of the Jets, you know, might relocate in three to five years to me is absolute nonsense. I want to ask you about the the attendance specifically through the first three home games and how concerned you are and and what what do you think you know True North's next steps should be to address this because obviously the season ticket base is what it is, right? It's you know, apparently Darren Drager reported it's under 10,000, which is was surprising to me. I thought it was more around 12,000, but obviously not if you only had 11,500 at the game. But what what are, what are your kind of main takeaways from what we've seen so far with the low attendance? Yeah, I mean, I I think concerning is a good word in the sense that I think if you're, I think there's certainly concern in in, in that building. You know, True North is definitely concerned that there's 11,000, just you know fewer than 12,000 fans coming to games, as you mentioned, as against a, a, a you know a team that bounced you from the playoffs, a, a Stanley Cup champion, a Thursday night. You know, those aren't, you know, that's not a Tuesday night. That's not a Monday night. That's a, a Thursday night. And, and, and again, with all those Winnipeggers. So, yeah, there's certainly there's certainly concern. I mean, there's the concern is going to continue. Are you we expecting that against St. Louis, this team is going to garner way more fans? Probably not. They're probably going to be in and around the same thing. And I think. I think the reality is that the next step here uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, and I mean, I don't pretend to know all the answers and I don't envy their situation, but I also don't have a ton of sympathy for their situation either. I, I think they, you know, they made their bed here. I think they got an absolute 
um, you know, have had an incredibly strong commitment from the city for the first 10 years. And, you know, you look at some of the things that have happened, some of the things that haven't happened. You look at some of the anecdotal evidence from season ticket, uh, you know, holders and, and feeling that they're not getting their value for their tickets or they're not being heard or listened to from their ticket representatives. It's just, I think for a very long time, guys, the reality is, is the Jets had the attitude towards media, towards fans, towards, you know, all the big stakeholders that, you know, whether they said it quietly or not so quietly, depending on who you were, is that, you know, you need us more than we need you. And now they're moving into the reality of that's not the case. In fact, you really do need us and you need us bad. And so, you know, to me, it looks like, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a looking in the mirror going on here. I, I don't have a lot of hope for that. I, you know, I, um, but you think that that's probably going to have to happen. Uh, you know, I think they're going to have to, you know, they have apparently a season ticket advisory committee, right. Of people who have come in and given their feedback. I don't know if that is just hear them out and ignore them or what, maybe there, maybe that committee needs a few more voices on there, you know, but you hear a lot of the same thing, right. You hear, you hear apathy, you hear, you hear, you know, too expensive, you hear, you know, um, not feeling like you're getting everything out of it. And I think another thing, guys, is, is the reality is because it's expensive, um, because it's expensive to buy tickets, because season tickets are crazy, and because they're not sold out anymore, you can go to any game anytime you want. So, you know, if you want to go to 10 games a season, you can go to whatever 10 games you want to on the schedule now. You don't have to buy 41 games at home to go to your 10 favorites and try to get, you know, sell or get rid of the other ones or whatever your plan was. You know, you can go to any games you want. And so when you're not getting the vibe, um, if you're not getting the, the good feelings, like you feel like you're part of something bigger than just signing a check every year, then what's the incentive to stay a season ticket member? You know, what are the, what, 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 what are they doing to help these people who have dedicated thousands of dollars for a decade? And I mean, I'm not suggesting the Jets aren't working hard. Of course, they have to work hard. This is, you know, they're running a business. They understand, you know, to a certain point, I imagine, you know, what they need to get done. I just think that I just don't think it's a quick fix. I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, you sign Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. Well, would, would that have been different if you signed them in July? Like when you kind of were going through the ticket sales, because I don't think people were picking up the phone and, and suggest, you know, and, and picking up the phone and going, um, you know, <laughs> like, wanting people to come in I, I just i just didn't feel all that welcoming like you know wanting to buy season tickets just because of those signs they wanted to see what they were looking at and the and the, and the unfortunate part is is we've seen some really good and exciting hockey from the jets but people look at one and three and you know maybe they don't trust the team i don't know but to me um i think it's that i think it's i think it's pretty interesting that that you know mark chipman who leads the business community in this province easily in this city would you would, would we not agree i mean yeah i would agree with kind that of runs the city for him to have a plea out to corporate dollars because i really think that's the difference here like that's that's the solution of the money and and the tickets and stuff is getting those corporate dollars so for mark chipman to go out and have a campaign and to plea for these you know for for the corporate world to, to step up and then to see what we're seeing now with you know 4,000 fewer fans. I mean, I, I guess you'd have to look at the stats, maybe more people, because we all saw the percentages, right, of people who buy the season tickets and how low that corporate was, about 15%. Maybe we have seen an uptick in corporate, but we've just seen a drastic downfall of people, you know, of just ordinary people buying tickets. I don't know. And I mean, I get the question lots. Like, what are your solutions? What are your solutions? 
I'm not, it's not my problem to, to figure it out for the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets. I'm not the one rolling in millions of dollars from it. Like, it's like, like, like what? Like, I'm supposed to be the guy to figure it out. Like, give me a break. It's none of our jobs. It's the Winnipeg Jets job. So I think I would start by suggesting, uh, I would suggest, you know, making people feel more part of it, adding, you know, different things that make you feel like a season ticket holder. We've seen other markets, whether it's Sidney Crosby delivering tickets. We've seen just different people do things to make people feel part of it. I also think a big fix to this is, is getting the Jets out in the community. I don't think the Jets, you know, you know, the Jets can say how much they care about the fans and how great it is to play against them. I don't think that connection to the community is there. I don't think that they do it. You know, they're seen enough. They're doing enough. And, you know, I, I get that they're busy. They're hockey players. Their job isn't to be, you know, outreach workers here. But at the same time, I mean, it's up to the players to sell the product. It's up to the players to sell their community. It's not it's not it's not having to ask and ask and ask the fans to do. It's like, you know, and I see certain things like I remember as a kid, like, did they even have like the Jets? Wise fundraiser anymore yeah, where you go Jets get autographs. Carnival. carnival where you go yeah. get autographs like that made me a lifelong fan man i still have pictures of me sitting on timu solani's lap when he had his achilles done you know what i mean like i you remember those moments I it was really awkward know. jeff because that was last year totally. yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> crazy you know but yeah i just again like it's not you know it, we all want to see the jets do well in this city we all want to see the fans enjoy a good team but it's it's up to the Winnipeg Jets organization to make it a better experience for people who are putting out thousands of dollars. And what those answers are, go look around the NHL, man. You can make a game day experience feel like entertainment outside of the hockey. I don't care who you are. That's not that's not like I don't care if you're a mad hockey market like Winnipeg. You need to create an atmosphere that's fun to go to that isn't just about the game. That like the bombers, about, right? Like yeah, you like see the, people tailgating and hour, hours and hours before. Well, you you can't stand and watch the game at the Jets. So like you know, like I mean, you can, but you'll have someone behind you asking you to sit down. But like you know, the the bombers have a little bit of an unequal playing ground in that they have an open concourse. They literally have like a a social hall in front of yeah. the rub hut to to kind of bring the atmosphere. But the Jets need to find other unique ways to make their venue enjoyable. Whether that's like more you know, whether more enjoyable kind of like little segments they do on the jumbotron man i've gone to so many games outside of the outside of winnipeg and i've been in stitches laughing at some of these and you can go out and steal them this isn't plagiarism you can take good <laughs> ideas yeah. from other markets and copy and paste them and i just haven't you just haven't seen that over the 10 years and now the jets are playing catch up and unfortunately, it's not a quick fix and it's going to take some time. Although I will end it on a positive note. I do think they figured it out. I do think, you know, this whole idea of relocation and the Jets leaving is, you know, is just so premature. It's ridiculous. Let's just see, you know, this team get better, continue to play, hopefully get the results and then see those ticket, those tickets, uh, those ticket numbers climb while they're being earned. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press is our guest Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Jets and the Oilers will do battle later on this evening. The Jets and the Elks will do battle later on this afternoon as well in Winnipeg at IGP. It's going to be a barn burner tonight. It's going to be a busy day between... Wouldn't it be the Bombers and the Elks, Drew? What did I say? You said the Jets and the Elks. Oh, yes, it would be the Bombers and the Elks. Be, I don't think the Jets are playing the Elks. What do you call one of those crossover episodes? Where you play <laughs> the Bombers are going to play the Oilers. That's right. I mean, we know Jeff that the Jets like to, you know, show some support to the Bombers and go down and throw footballs and, and do all that stuff. But I don't think they're going to start taking up, uh, taking up the game to that degree. Speaking of the Jets, speaking of what they're doing on the ice, 
and let's focus on that for a sec. We we were talking before you jumped on with us about the the lines and what the Jets have been doing. So from your perspective, when you're watching this team through the first four games, what are your overall impressions of what this team has been so far this season? You know what? I think, you know, despite the results, it's been kind of mostly positive. I think you can make the argument that out of 12 periods, maybe two or three were bad. Unfortunately, those two or three were bad enough to result in three losses. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to me, too, because when Gabe Velarde went down, it was, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, my goodness, you know, this guy was playing great through the preseason. But you know, I started counting in my mind, like, of injuries on a team. Gabe Velarde is probably like the fifth or sixth guy like that you, you there's about four or five guys that you would you know you don't want to prefer anyone get injured but like you know sure. he's down on that list so I just my point in even bringing that up is and you see it in the Vegas game you see it in um, you know you've seen it against LA when adversity hits this team there's inevitable panic you know like there's just it just seems like they're not as composed and that's that's the neg that's the negative part I've seen is that you know the you know that that when things aren't going well for you, you know, that that's when you kind of, I don't want to say pack up, but that's when, that's when, that's when things don't go your way. And we saw it with Vegas, how, how just composed they were. There was no panic. There was no whatever. They just continued to play their game. Um, and so that's one of the things, but I think it's been mostly positive besides the goaltending. The goaltending <laughs> hasn't been good. You know what I mean? And, and we've been saying this for years. The Jets need above average goaltending. You could argue that the Jets need really, really good goaltending to be a good team. And right now they're just not getting it. You know, I'm not, you know, there's some that game against LA. There's a handful of goals there that, you know, certainly Connor Hallebuck will want back. Lauren Passois, I don't think he was horrible against Vegas, but he didn't give the Jets an opportunity to win that game. I, I felt like, you know, that Jack Eichel, yeah, that's a beautiful shot, but better positioning as a goalie fixes that you know I don't I'm not saying Lauren Brassard needs to be bigger there's probably goalies that isn't going in on but I just you know the goaltending hasn't been there and when you're when you're trying to bring in it's not a new structure but you there's a lot of new players there's a lot of new personality with this team and when you went through a preseason that had injuries illness and stuff and players that were you know Nikolai Ehlers who looks clearly looks like he's getting you know trying to catch up to speed here I'm not trying to create excuses for this team but there are some things that played a factor leading into the regular season that I think have kind of bled out. And while we've seen some, you know, some great hockey guys, I mean, you know, I'm after the first game against Calgary, I mean, it, I've never seen a community celebrate a loss like I did in game one here. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was like, if I have to hear if this team plays like this, 82 games are going to win more often than they don't. Well, yeah, I guess so. Unless they don't have that killer instinct at the end of a game and can't finish off games. That's a sign of a good team. So I think there's some really good things that we've seen out of the jets. I think there's some still, still things we're trying to, figure out with this team identity you know but I do think there's some early signs that suggest that this is a a good club they're a deeper club than we've seen over the last few years it's just about figuring this thing out Jeff if you're Cole Perfetti so you've been anointed second line center at the start of training camp you've played that role for all of preseason and then on game four of the season you're moved to the wing how do you have much trust in, in, in your head coach and Rick bonus when that sort of knee jerk reaction seems to happen so quickly in the season? Uh, knee jerk. Like, so for me, I think you looked at, is it premature? Sure. You know, but you look at the, you know, you look at Perfetti and, and some of the, stre some of the stress that, that comes with playing center. You know, I think this is a guy that it's just, how do you put it? How would I put it? He's, 
he's got the IQ to play at this level. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But he's continuing to grow into his body. And the reality is, is when you play heavier teams like Vegas and your center and you have, and maybe Rick Bonus hasn't seen a lot of that, you know, defensive zone play that he needs to see from Cole Perfetti. And maybe he, with, with the injury, it kind of gave him his first out to mix lines around, right? And I thought that was, I thought it was interesting too, because, you know, you bring Mason Appleton up to the first line and then you bring Nemestikov up from the fourth line to the second line. So you have all these moving pieces. So you have to kind of go out of your way to, to, um, to change that line. And I thought, but I do think that Rick Bonus is, well, it might be viewed as like, okay, that's premature. You know, maybe Cole Perfetti, what, what's going on in his head? Does he feel like he failed or didn't do a good enough job and he feels like he's demoted to the wing? I don't think that's it at all. I think the conversation is we're going to take some pressure off you, let you find your touch, and I think it worked. He scored a goal there. Like, I think that is going to be a catalyst potentially for, for uh, Cole Perfetti to, to find his confidence. I don't think it was necessarily lacking, but I think Rick Bonus saw through the first few games while he wasn't – He's also not that great in the dot, guys. So, you know, the reality but, is... is, is that, that's not a surprise. I mean, no, I don't think anybody not, expected but, it. But when possession, when, you know, when you're, when you're Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus cares more about face-offs than any coach in, uh, that has been with the Jets. Like, he just, he knows the importance of possession. He knows the importance of, of winning those draws. And so, again, I just think, I think whenever he makes a move, putting a centerman onto a winger. It's not because it's a lack of trust necessarily. I do think it's, I do think it's a, it's a lessering some responsibilities and rising some of the expectations that come with that lesser expectations, right? There's a lot of, you have to be a 200 foot player as a centerman in the NHL. And is Cole Perfetti a talented player with a high IQ? Absolutely. Is he a 200 foot player that can muck it up in the defensive zone corners with some of the big centermans out there? Probably not yet. And so maybe it's just going to be one of those things where he's constantly teasing him back. And I think as long as you have a dialogue with Cole Perfetti, then I don't think you're worrying about what he might be thinking. Because that's what you hear from players, right? They just want honesty, right? They might not like the honesty, but they just want to know where they stand with the coach. And Rick Bonus, if he's got anything going for him, it's that honesty. And I imagine he's having those conversations that Cole Perfetti is not sweating the fact that three games into the season, he's, he's been moved to the wing. Yeah, and you make some good points. I, I still think Perfetti should be up the middle, Jeff, but obviously it's Bones that makes that call. And I do think that face-offs factor in and everything you said, you know, covering coverage in the defensive zone. Also, as you were talking about face-offs, I don't know if you saw Connor Bedard go up against Sidney Crosby, but I think he lost like 15 face-offs in a row. So obviously, you know, boys. Crosby struggled early in his career. Bedard mm -hmm. struggled. I mean, we know that as players get older, they, they get better at the face-offs. But I think you're right. I think there's probably... Um, a better than 50% chance that Perfetti stays on the wing tonight against Edmonton. I wanted to ask you about Alex Iafallo because to me he's been, I mean, look, at Iafallo has been in the NHL for a, a while now, 10 seasons or so, and, you know, three goals in four games, uh, two goals last game, including one on the power play. Like, for me, Iafallo just seems like he has d delivered. He has done everything that, you know, when we, um, you know, when Chevy or Rick Bonus or any of the other players talked about Alex Iafallo, like the Swiss Army knife, he can play on all these different lines. He can play on the power play, penalty kill, more so power play, obviously, with the Jets, right? But um, just what have your been impressions been? Because I, I, I think he's probably earned a, a spot in the top six. I don't know if it happens, um, but I, I definitely would like to see him a little bit higher in the lineup because he has been just fantastic, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, as I think it's, it kind of reminds me of when Nemestikov and, and Niederreiter came last year. It's like the new guys set the tone, right? Like they, they're the guys that, okay, here's the blueprint to how you want to play. It's like, all right, perfect. These guys have been here for two weeks. It's like, um, you know, I follow uh, has been, like I said, as advertised when, when the Jets made the trade, obviously Gabriel Velarde was you know, the, the, the big piece, if you will, for that coming back from LA, but I follow, I, I got a few calls from, from, you know, scouts and advisors that I know from other teams gave me a call and said, it's not going to be very long before I follow becomes uh, a fan favorite in Winnipeg, just the style in which he plays. And I think a lot of people were questioning, Oh, why is he up on the first power play unit? And, and while I think he showed you why he's up on the first power play unit, because that, because the, the the Jets have been trying to execute that play for about three seasons and and the guy gets on it and he, and he one times it pass you know like that that chemistry is what they've been trying to brew with Mark Shifley in the slot right and and so uh, with the player in the slot mind you so uh, you know I think he's been awesome man and then, uh, you know like he he is that player where you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they move him to the top line but he's the kind of guy that I think is going to bring whatever you ask him to bring with whatever line you put him on, he's going to bring it and he's going to make, you know, he's one of those sneaky players that he's going to going to make people around him better. Right. We, we usually expect that to be a centerman because, because for obvious reasons, but he's the kind of guy that I think he brings the tempo up. He has that sneaky scoring touch as we've seen. Um, and I think he just, he's just the guy who finds himself in the right situation. And if he can, if he can pot a lot of the opportunities that he's been getting, this is going to be a, a really good team. And, and that's why you look at, when the Jets have their full lineup, the potential they have on scoring, right? I, you know, I like that second line as it's as it's constituted right now. But if you have an eye follow who doesn't have to play on your top line but can bring that offense to a third line with an Adam Lowry, that's where I think you start talking about you know teams that are are, are competing for for Stanley Cups when they have that kind of depth. So I, I, I certainly think he's the kind of guy that has come in, you know, has has lived up or or exceeded expectations, and certainly you know um, a guy who's been in a lot of instances, particularly last game driving the bus for the offense and jeff let's not forget the fact that he's got the best goal song of the entire group a little uh right. nothing but a good time by a poison I second, mean, come on, second. macarena's number one <laughs> yeah. fair enough fair enough you know jeff i was gonna ask about the biggest acquisition in uh winnipeg news of course with uh your acquisition of ken weeb to be your new yeah. colleague here at the free press but i guess i'll stick with the uh with the hockey stuff and talk about the, the the defense and and I mean you can add your thoughts about Kenny joining the free press because that's <laughs> yeah. I still I have to tell you yeah. I still find it weird whenever I write Ken Weeb of the Winnipeg Free Press yeah, yeah I'm like just doesn't I know he worked there back in the day but it just doesn't feel right to say that it feels Kenny still the feels intern. a little bit odd Kenny yeah. the intern yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so but anyways so you can always share your thoughts about Kenny joining the crew but Kenny's you know great what? love to have him on love love having him on on board Kenny's uh it proves the team hockey it proves the free press hockey team absolutely and golf. Hey, hey and, and get golf. this guys breaking news the Winnipeg free press is hiring people it's it, yes. you know, there's a newsroom <laughs> out there that is hiring people so love it. yeah absolutely perfect That's, well uh, yeah, if there's one is, thing you pay your, feather in the I have cap, a journalism diploma you. Jeff will you hire me yeah absolutely milk you after too <laughs> if there's one thing we've know, shown is that the I got that free- reference, Jeff. That yeah. was very I'd, good. That I'd was hope, good. Meet I'd the parents. So. I'd hope. Yeah. So. I got that one. <laughs> Anyways, shout yes, out to Bobby De Niro. Shout out to the Free Press, though, because you're right, Jeff. In this in this day and age, the Free Press is doing things that most papers aren't doing. They're they're increasing, not decreasing. So, the, kudos to your to your publication. But you know, talk about defense because that's one thing. It seems the more things change, the more they stay the same, and the defense has stayed the same for this organization really since 
Kevin Sheveldayoff made those summer trades to acquire Brandon Dillon and Nate Schmidt. And I remember back in the day, everybody's like, well, this is it. That's what they needed. They needed to solidify their defense. And now with the offense seemingly upgraded defensively, the question is, is the defense sufficient? And is it going to be capable? And we've seen now Nate Schmidt being healthy scratched, Logan Stanley getting his chance and, you know, not looking great in the one game. Of course, it was just one game. So if you're, you know, head coach Rick Bonus putting on your coaching hat, are you going back to Nate Schmidt, who maybe got the message you sent both to him personally and through the media in his conversation with us a couple of days ago? Or do you want to inject someone like Declan Chisholm, who's probably one of the best skaters alongside uh, Josh Morrissey? I think the, uh, I was about to say the Bombers. I think the Jets <laughs> defense is their Achilles heel. You know, I mean, I, we talked, you know, I talked about the negatives of this season and, and you know, you know, kind of focused on the goaltending because the goaltending hasn't been where it needs to be. And that needs to be where it has been because of, of the defense, right? The defense isn't. And, and I think, you know, of, of all the roster structuring, the defense is the weirdest one to me for this team, just because, you know, it was the summer of Chevy a couple summers ago when they picked up, you know, Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon. I think we can kind of come to the conclusion that there was a little more hype in, in that, in those deals than, than what turned out. I think Brendan Dillon, has brought, you know, certainly a good guy in the dressing room and a, and a certain toughness that I think the blue line needs. We saw, you know, Nate Schmidt was kind of on the downfall when he came here and it hasn't really improved from year to year and to the point you just made was a healthy scratch against his former Vegas Golden Knights. So um, it's an interesting one because even like, you know, the the Florida game, right, where the Jets, the Jets win 6-4. They didn't have mm -hmm. Montour and they didn't have Ekblad. And, you know, you could argue that, you know, Ekblad's a better defenseman than Josh Morrissey. Um, you know, at least in at least you know he's not worse than Josh Morrissey. So that at at best they're you know equal. And I don't think that the Jets have a Montour. You know, like I think that you know the drop down from their first defenseman and Josh Morrissey is too great. You know, like uh, who who would you have as the Jets' second demon? I mean, it depends if you're talking about offensively. I would say Demello. In general, if you could pick, if you had to pick two sure. guys from the Jets for to keep, who would you keep? Probably at you know. That's a good question. Probably maybe Sam, who? Samberg, mm. maybe in terms of Samberg? upside. Okay. Well, in like, terms of upside, in terms of consistency. Well, sure. I mean, no. Yeah. No. You're, this isn't a dynasty league, Drew. Well, I think well, that. Yeah. Exactly. I think, I think <laughs> yeah, I would say it's probably between Dylan Demello, Brendan Dillon. But that's and, what I mean. I mean. The fact that we're yeah. debating with three guys—that's that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. that is that's the Achilles. The Jets team. don't have a clear-cut number two defenseman. They that's don't. For sure. They don't. And Josh Morrissey really only became a clear-cut number one defenseman what last season. When you think about the points and what 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 the expectations are of a, of a yeah. true number one, right? So like, yeah, I think the defense is a problem. The defense and the in the ironic part of the defense problem is that most of the focus has been on it's got too many guys. So it's like it's yep. like if they're not if we can't even really name like the best second defenseman on the team, and they also have too many guys, that means there's a lot of guys in and around you know a certain level that need to get out the door and and better players need to come in. The problem is. Is you know, and you know, we know the issues in Winnipeg and you know its difficulties in some cases attracting free agents and whatever. You're not getting the number one D-man from anyone else. Nobody just goes out and gets rid of them, you know. And if if someone's looking to get rid of the number one, I'd be doing my homework on why, because you know this guy, you know, probably has a lot of ghosts in his closet. So like, uh, so you kind of have to draft them or fig or or bring in guys like a Dylan and Schmidt and hopefully hope that they have their better days ahead of them. And so a couple gambles didn't work out. It's a long roundabout way of saying that I just think the defense as it's constructed is just not 
at that status it needs to be at. And I mean, you know, you look at Logan Stanley getting in over Declan Chisholm, you know, I, it's interesting. I think Chisholm had a better camp. So you would think that he would be the obvious choice, but I think this is where hockey politics come, comes into play. And, and don't shoot the messenger here, please. It's not, I don't, you know, despite my email inbox, I don't make the roster decisions on this team. I have no say. <laughs> Rick Bonus doesn't call me and ask for my input. What I think went down there is that Logan Stanley, whether it's a confidence issue or a respect issue, because Logan Stanley is respected amongst his teammates, and you have to understand the ripple effect of making moves in some cases on teammates. So I think it was just a sign of respect to Logan Stanley to go to him. But I think after that game, he's not going back to him. I think Declan Chisholm needs to come in. I don't know if Nate Schmidt comes back. You know, Nate Schmidt didn't have the preseason because he was working through an injury. So I think he's, you know, they're probably, you don't want to keep him out too long, but you want to give a Declan Chisholm an answer. And maybe, you know, that's where I think the risk-taking needs to, needs to happen with this team a little bit is that there's been less risk-taking on defense, trying to give guys a shot. And just, you know, because the, the, the ceiling on Chisholm feels a lot greater than a lot of players on that blue line because we just don't know what he's capable of doing at this league. But there's a lot of guys on that blue line who we know exactly what their ceiling is and what you're getting. And we haven't even been getting that ceiling, you know, through the first Well, especially years. Hammer with Vili Hainala out for the next couple of months, right? Well, that's like an unfortunate have, you one, don't, too. You don't have the option to put Hainala in. So as Dave mentioned during the first segment, the first half an hour, right? Like, isn't this the time that you want to get Declan Chisholm into some games? Like, I said, if I was a betting man, I would say Nate Schmidt goes in. So obviously anybody who listens to the show knows that probably Declan Chisholm's going in. Yeah, uh, Nate but, Schmidt's I mean, on waivers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, you know, like, what are your other options? If you're not putting Declan Chisholm in and giving him his first... Uh, taste of the NHL like are you calling Kyle Capobianco up like I think Capobianco actually was pretty good in you know 15 games or whatever he played last year but I think like to your point I mean like what are we doing here like are we just going to recycle you know Chisholm Stanley and Schmidt until Hainola comes back like I don't think that's a very good plan it's not a good plan like and and I thought you know Chisholm has what two games under his belt at least one of those was pretty decent if I recall correctly like I think you know I think he handled I think he handled it and um, you know, to me, it's, it's, yeah, it's whether it's, it reminds me of like the CFL and, and their risk averseness to starting a new quarterback that, you know, yeah, so you just kind of deal with what you got. And it's like, it's, you're not really happy with it. It's not really garnering you the results, but you're worried. Where, you know, where are the Elks if they start Trey Ford at the beginning of the year? There you go. So you cross, cross episode here, guys. It's just, you know, it's amazing how the, the NHL and CFL. Legal procedure right now. <laughs> but it, it's just, that's the number one question, right? And it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to address through trades, through free agency, particularly in Winnipeg. So you have to kind of draft them. And so if you're not, if you're not giving opportunities to guys like the Johnny Kovacevics, like, you know, the Declan Chisholms, the guys that, you know, have, have been good soldiers for you and have played well with the Manitoba Moose, if you're not willing to give them a shot over aging veterans or people where you've, you know exactly what you're going to get. And um, then, then what's the point to, to your point as you, what's the point? Like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, you know, it is extremely unfortunate that Billy Hainala, uh, you know, suffered that injury, suffered that injury because he was pushing the envelope. I think they had an easy, an easy out to sit Nate Schmidt for him, you know, let him figure out, you know, let him get back up to speed, see what Billy Hainala could do for the first, whatever amount of games. If he continued to play the way he was playing, they're not putting Nate Schmidt back, Nate Schmidt back in the, 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 it's an easy excuse not to put him back in. We're rolling. Why would we change the line? Nate's been patient. He's been a good teammate. All those things, right? That all blew up 
with with Billy Hainwell getting injured. And now the reluctance to give some of those younger guys, like I imagine I'd love to get some of those younger guys in a, in a, in a little group table. Some of these guys who have been trying to trying to crack the, the club on defense and played the moose and just find out what they're really thinking. Cause I, you know, for a long time there, particularly at the end of Paul Maurice's um, era here, a lot of unhappy fourth line forwards. A lot of people who were moving back towards the moose that were at, you know, didn't want to be here anymore. It was crazy. And now we're kind of, you know, I wonder if we're getting that with the lower end defense and at what cost, right. At, at playing these old, these other players that, you know, showed you last season near the, you know, down the final stretch, exactly who they are. You know, I, but I also think that's the risk of having the win it at win, win now mentality. I think the win mentality can incorporate new bodies. In fact, I'd argue that the win now mentality has to incorporate new bodies. It's not the same old because you're not winning then. How are you expecting to win now? And <laughs> you, can, you can trademark that. Free Jeff, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press, always opinionated, always loquacious, always a great guest here always on handsome. the program. He'll have coverage of the Bombers and the Elks a little bit later on this evening. Jeff, thanks for doing this this morning. Always great to see you. We'll catch up again real soon, buddy. Hey, guys, thanks so much. I don't put hairspray in my hair for anybody but you guys on Saturday mornings, okay? So appreciate, appreciate it, and uh, have a great day, great show. And uh, like I said, let's end on a positive because I know a lot of people like to give me the gears as Mr. Negative. Let's, uh, you know, I think the Jets can figure it out here. Get those butts in the seats. Let's start talking about the good things and, uh, you know, like this show. So thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, we'll see you down the line. Hammer, thanks, we'll Jeff. see you at the West Final. Drew and I will be starting the beer snake. Right on. I expect, <laughs> I expect Bye, Jeff. Last. Be well, buddy. Let's yeah, head guys. to break. Jeff Hamilton having just joined us. John Mattis up at the bottom of the hour. More Jets talk to come as well. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go. We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. 
Catch the game with Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zapia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zappia of Zappia Group Realty. Get started at zappiagroup.com. Are you dreaming of your very own backyard rink this winter but dreading the work involved? Well, stress no longer because the rink guys are here to make it happen. The Rink Guys are Winnipeg's first outdoor skating rink installation and rink maintenance service. The Rink Guys offers free site evaluations and different rink construction options. Plus, they use a custom-sized liner to prevent any damage to your lawn. Lighting packages are also available to help illuminate your rink during those long, dark winter nights. To get your rink started today, visit therinkguys.com. 10-15, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning. Reminder, late night tonight, the Illegal Curve post-game show. I see after dark, shortly before midnight. So just as the clock turns from Saturday to Sunday, or the calendar turns from Saturday to Sunday, yours truly and Mr. Ginsberg will be here to bring you all the latest on the Winnipeg Jets-Edmonton Oilers contest. There's all- a good chance that I'm going to be heavily drugged for tonight's post game show and how is that different we, than any other say, time thank you exactly as we say in hebrew how is tonight any different than any other night would be my answer to that yeah, it's going to be different drugs tonight though it's going to be buckley's and tylenol cold and flu i mean does any of that stuff even work like i'm drinking um, this like lemon ginger water like this probably does more than tylenol or benalin or any of that stuff right I mean, sure. What, what what answer do you want me to give here that's going to make you feel the best? So I mean, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to say whatever you want. Well, you're in, not a in, doctor. In but take a look. So I want you to put on your doctor hat right now. I will do that for the Halloween show coming up in about uh, nine days' time. I think it's a Monday against the Rangers. We can wear uh, we can wear our Halloween costumes prior to uh, on that on that night. So Drew, you're uh, going to go as slutty uh, radio host. <laughs> It's going to be me wearing my headphones and nothing else. It's going to be really disappointing. Oh, God. Involved. Hey, you guys remember the year started that, this. Do you remember the year that I went as Gary Lawless? I do yes. remember the year you went as Gary Lawless. It was I one of your better costumes. Pounds, but that didn't work, so I just... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, anyway. All right, the lawman. You know, as he, the I mean, lawman I'm, listens I'm to the show. I'm joking, lawman. I love you if he's listening. Yeah, you're in trouble now. You're never getting, you're never getting invited to the lawless compound for that. I can assure you. Uh, that, well, you probably weren't getting invited anyway. So let's be yeah. honest. Uh, let's get back to talking about the forward or line. Or the body guy, anyways. Yeah, you know, uh, we were talking about uh, we were talking about the forward line during the first segment, and you know, mentioning that you know, you know, the the Mason Appleton experiment as the mm-hmm. top line right winger isn't something that really. Uh, 
any of us thought as particularly appealing. And I understand the perspective that, you know, they want a right shot there. And we know that the Jets are lacking when it comes to, you know, right shot players forwards, particularly in, in that kind of role with, with Velarde out of the lineup. The options that they have in to be a right shot player are few and far between. It's really... Appleton and it's Kupari. Those are the only right shot forwards that the Jets have uh, in their roster. To me, though, I, that shouldn't be the differentiating, the, the determining factor who plays with them. You look at the, you know, analytics. You look at the possession numbers. You know, Connor Shifley, Appleton, forty percent possession in the thirteen, just under fourteen minutes that they played together mm-hmm. against Vegas on on Thursday night. It just is. I just don't see Appleton being a good fit there. It's just not, it's not playing to his strengths as a player. You right. know, I, you know, when I'm sort of, way, I wouldn't be surprised if bones leaves him on that top line. I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to happen because I'm with you, Drew. Like again, we, we were going back to the first half an hour of the show. If you were listening, we were saying basically, you know, Nino Niederreiter would probably be our number one choice. And then Alex IFL second, but again, they're both left shots. Vladislav Nemesnikov, Vladislav Nemesnikov is also a left shot, but right. he's obviously centering that second line with Perfetti and Ehlers. Well, so the Jets have they got to figure this out, guys, forwards. because... Oh, and, yep. and sorry, Drew, I just wanted to yep. say, like, Velarde's not out for two days. Like, yeah, Velarde's going to be out for, for, you know, six to eight weeks here. So, like, again, I, I, I'm not saying that putting Nito Niederreiter on the top line is going to, you know, mean that the top line is going to score five goals tonight, uh, but especially against an Oilers team that you know is going to be very desperate and very hungry. That was a terrible loss. Everybody heard Jay Woodcroft use the F-bomb. I posted it on Instagram. Like, everybody knows that, you know, the Oilers are going to be, you know, fired up tonight. Let's be honest. Like, both of these teams aren't happy with winning one of their first four games. Like, that's just the reality. Um, it's a good point by Bells there. They should put Blake Wheeler on the top line because he's obviously... Uh, he's not playing in New York very much. <laughs> yeah. Has he been healthy scratched yet? I don't think he has, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's coming... Um, but yeah, I mean, look at Mason Appleton is a third, fourth line guy at this point in his career. Like he is. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he's a good third or fourth line guy. I think like he's a good penalty killer. He scored a beautiful goal, obviously, um, the other night on that nice assist by Adam Lowry after Josh Morrissey gave him a stick. But, uh, I, I just don't think long-term or even short-term that Mason Appleton should be on that top line. And and I've already given my answer. I would I would rather see either Niederreiter or Ayafalo. So we'll see what happens. We're going to find out later today if there's any changes on defense. But I think, Dave, that's probably another thing that you're going to be watching to see if Appleton is on that top line or if Bonus decides to, to make a move. Not saying that that line was horrible, um, uh, you know, last game against the Golden Knights. They weren't horrible. Um, but I think you have to find, uh, until Gabe Velarde comes back, you have to find who the right person to play on that top line is on the right side. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be Mason Appleton. Well, let me ask you this, Dave. So the Jets only have, with Velarde out of the lineup, the Jets have mm-hmm. three forwards who are right shot. for who are right shot. And if, okay. you know, Shifley and Connor want right shot players playing with them, and I mean, you know, okay, fine, we can take their take them into account. Well, Shifley's a right shot. He can't play with himself. I mean, right. Hang on, that sounded poorly. Um, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, Shifley isn't going to play Again, right Robertson uh, saying to me, Dave, I don't recognize you with pants on because I'm always wearing Drew, shorts. you've been pretty practice. good at playing, uh, playing with yourself over the years. <laughs> Appleton is the other right shot. And then the other one would be is Rasmus Kupari. Could you foresee a scenario where the Jets, you know, try and go with Kupari? He's 
he's you know got the speed he certainly you know he doesn't really he's not known for having a scoring touch and it obviously would facilitate other ripples through the lineup but mm-hmm. if they want to play with a right shot forward would you can you foresee a scenario where they try and let Kupari see if he can audition for that role for the next few weeks yeah, I mean, look, you've got Gustafson in the lineup right now. You called up Ton and Atos from the Moose, so you do have yeah. guys who can go in and play fourth-line center if you want to give Kupari the shot. I just want to finish off one uh, or add one thing, because as he touched on it, Mason Applin's career high in goals is 12. Mm-hmm. The last three seasons, Nino Niederreiter has had 20-goal seasons at least, a 20-goal yeah, season or He's a consistent 20-goal scorer. So to me, oh, he's a how you don't... Niederreiter yeah, is I mean. a shooter. He shoots the puck. Right. And he also goes to the front of the net and he's like, he's not afraid of mixing it up. So I just, again, like I said, I just think that provides an advantage. And yeah, I mean, look, I, I think they like Kupari at, as, at the center line and at the center position. And I think they want to keep him, uh, you know, on the fourth line. And look, if as we talked about on Thursday, Drew, if Mason Appleton gets busted down to the fourth, we got the recreated GST. What could be better? 15, 19, 22. You just need Gustafson to be the center and have Kupari on the wings, like Tanner Glass, of course, back in the day. But I just think that, yeah, I mean, Kupari's, we didn't know what Kupari was. Anybody who anybody who claims that they knew what Rasmus Kupari was is not telling you the truth unless they watched. Well, the unless you're a big Kings fan. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you're a Kings fan, but most people who watch this broadcast, generally speaking, are probably fans of the Winnipeg Jets, hopefully the fans of the Manitoba Moose, but they generally aren't, you know, paying attention to the, you know, first round picks of the LA Kings and what they've been able to do. So to me, Kupari was an unknown and you can see from, from him, Hey, we got a Ruben, we got a Ruben bomb right now coming up in the screen, but finally I think an, just, an, an, an articulate, well, an, an articulate Gim, Ginsburg is joining, joining the program. Well, you guys couldn't hear it because I was muted, but Ruben was banging violently on the door. So he, well, actually, came in, he actually came yeah. in and had me a box of Kleenex. So that was very, oh, thanks, nice. Ruben. That's very yeah, nice. Buddy. My dad has a cold. Yeah. Ah. Good job, buddy. Way to give 110% and help daddy out. You want to come on and say hi, Rube? Hi. Okay, we're going to continue the show, Rube. We'll be done in about 45 okay. minutes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go upstairs, okay? Anyway, so, no, I just think, like, I think Kupari is definitely the kind of person who, who yeah, you could, if, you, if you're if you desperate to have that right shot and you want to give a guy who's got a little more, um, well, it's, it's similar, though, right? He's, he's got speed. He's got mm. an aggressiveness to his play. And, again, that's what I was getting at, was that we didn't really know what he was. And I think that they want to get him to establish that culture because for, for the longest time, the Jets ha- haven't had a fourth line that had that culture of, you know, creativity and could do more than hold their own, but maybe be able to do something. And I think now they feel like they can. So to me, the easiest solution is the one that's staring you in the face. It's not complicated. I don't care about the right shot, left shot, put Nino Niederreiter on that first line, put Mason Appleton back on the third line or Alex Ifalo as I don't really care who you do. But I just think that you put Appleton on the third besides Lowry. I don't care who I do. <laughs> Boy, this show's real. guys, guys. Bailey, the interns in the in, in the chat. Hey, Let's Bailey's keep this got a boyfriend, apparently. Well, we'll talk to Bailey about hey, the birds Drew, and the bees Drew, after, but we're not worrying about that right now. But the point is, let's keep this uh, correct for 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 our young fans here. But did you guys I think get a girl gu- girl guide cookies? Because I, I bought I six boxes from a, from Bailey, just so you know. We talked six. about this on the post game show on Thursday, Azzy. We do, yeah. We all we all Screwed did up. our part. Yeah. Sorry, Bailey. Next time you sell them, I'll buy. Well, 
that's terrible. As in fact, Bailey was so part. protective and ensuring that um, I got all six boxes that she wouldn't let the assistants in the office buy any from her because I wasn't there. So she had to deal with them, and and they were like, "Oh, you're selling good old guide." She's like, "No, these are all going to Dave." So uh, so I got some uh, upset assistants in the office, but it, I I made them happy because I I let them have some girl guide cookies. So I was uh, I was very generous to, with everyone. That, Anyways. That was- Back to the back to the back to the Rasmus what are the best ones, vanilla or chocolate? No, the, the chocolate, obviously. I, I, I'm a vanilla guy when it comes to cookies myself. Really? Yeah, I you know if I'm you're a vanilla yeah. person in general, yeah. so I guess it makes sense. I'm pretty dull. What can I say? I like I, I'm very basic. What can I you know? <laughs> no, but I'm with you. Pumpkin, I, I, I like my pumpkin spice lattes, and I'm uh, I'm basic. Yeah, yeah. I bought yeah. a box event, pumpkin I mean, pie last night. I haven't eaten it yet, but I just had a craving for a boxed pumpkin pie, so I might have it tonight. That might be my little treat. Your your little treat is going to be an entire box. Oh, of hold on! Breaking pie. breaking news! No 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 no! Bailey has two more boxes, Ezzy. Looks like Bailey, I might be wrong, but I think I still might owe you. I don't know if I ever paid you for last year's. <laughs> we might have a bit of a beef here, but I think I do owe you for last year's box. So, but I will take those last two boxes. Way to steal Send money from transfer. a teenager, Ezzy. That wow, Ezzy, she's <laughs> trying to raise money, and you're just pilfering. But you know this is fitting for Ezzy. I mean, uh, I can see that you know when you were in high school and you'd go to Sev or something, Ezzy, and you did, did you have money or did you rely on your friends to buy you the Slurpees for you? Oh, he definitely just walked out without paying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you talking about, Drew? It was just dine and dash. I want to, as we're talking about cookies here, I'd like to give a, a shout out to Viva Puffs. My kids love those, and I love those too. Okay, thank you. There for we that. Go. Uh, All right, Drew, get the show back on the rails. You're supposed to be the host. I honestly, the show has gone off the rails more than I, if this is the 1030 in the morning edition of the show, what's it going to be like at 1230 in the morning tomorrow when we're doing post game show and, and, and as he's doped up on, on uh, beds and everything, this show is going to be completely off the rails, even more so than usual. But my, our point is, I think that we all agree that the, none of us really uh, like the idea of Mason Appleton playing with Connor and Shifley, just because he doesn't seem to bring the skill set that he brings, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a skill set because that would be rude, of course, and incorrect. But the skill set yeah. that he brings is not suited for that role. It would be would be my comment. And I and, and I, I think, think you're also hurt. just my final thought on this, really. And I know we got to go to break because we've got John Mattis coming on from the score. But I just want to say the other thing is, again, I think you're killing him. You're asking him to do too much. And I'm not saying these guys aren't well conditioned. You just nailed it. But you're but asking him the, to do too much. That's a, and I just, you're 100 percent right, Dave. Yeah. And I, I just think, like, you know, again, you want him fresh because you want your – look, has the Jets' PK been unbelievable this season? Jets' PK was good last year. Oh, it's been terrible you, this year. That's my whole point. And you need Jet, you need Mason Appleton. He's a big part of your penalty kill, along with Adam Lowry, along with David Gustafson, potentially. So Rasmus Kupari as well. So what I'm saying is you that don't terrible? Need- Didn't they kill off, like, seven penalties against Florida, Drew? They're 20 uh, one, one, in the one of seven. 70, 70%. They're 22nd yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, so the, the fact of the matter is that you have, a, very, corrected. You have yeah. a poor PK and you need Mason Appleton to be fresh because you need your PK to be, you know, uh, not necessarily elite, but it's got to be up there. It's got to be top 10 and it's not as Drew just pointed out. So that's, that's another reason I think you keep Appleton on that third line with Lowry. And you need the PK to be sharp tonight against the Edmonton Oilers team with that. We know how dangerous they are on the power, power play is 33%, I believe. 31.3 now, fifth in the NHL, but you know what they were last year, and you knew, know how dangerous they are on the power play. So if you're going to run into penalty trouble and you're going to be on the PK against the Edmonton Oilers, it's going to be likely be a very S. James, re- reverse that U in the E there. Ruben is R-E-U. It's funny. Yeah. Everyone spells it R-U-E, but it's R-E-U. 
but I, I appreciate that anyways. I think maybe that is. I wonder if the sandwich is R U E. I'm not. I'm, no. That could no sandwich not. is definitely R E U. You're right. When it comes to sandwiches, the other I'll spelling of is R U B I N. Well, on that note, we're going to spell Mattis, M-A-T-I-S-Z, with John when we come back to talk about more from around the NHL and the Winnipeg Jets. Stay with us Saturday morning. The show's off the rails, and we're only 90 minutes in. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and our good friend from the score, John Mattis, joins us on the program, National Hockey Writer for the score. John was just complimenting the quality of the commercials that certainly makes this broadcast add that certain je ne sais quoi to uh to this broadcast john if you need any advice on producing quality commercials such as this then just let us know and we'd be glad to help out well i i message you guys in the chat all about that and i'm dead serious these are legitimately good commercials i was fired up i was about to purchase every single <laughs> item and, and service you were you were pitching me um and high production value it's it's top-notch stuff uh i don't i don't know who's behind the scenes doing all this but uh give we have an entire team john we have i think i think we're up to about 12 or 13 uh full-time staff uh in addition to us <laughs> that's what i thought I, I i thought this was like it's giant production espn level well-oiled machine here exactly. the illegal curve enterprise yeah, exactly enterprise is 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 right uh, well-oiled machine indeed john and we obviously brought you on talk a little bit about the winnipeg jets talk a little bit about what's going on around the nhl as a whole i want to start with a team that we saw here in winnipeg on thursday night well-oiled machine indeed the vegas golden knights just picking up where they left off last year undefeated so far this season five and oh they score a lot they don't give up a lot i mean you know they're obviously the kings of the mountain until somebody knocks them off but you know right now it seems like they are uh not like you know that they, they, they want to stay uh, atop that throne we've seen so many teams as of late cup winners that have struggled to start the year and maybe find their sea legs as the year goes on why is vegas different than some of the more recent stanley cup uh, winners i'd say the biggest thing is mark stone being healthy mixed with only losing Riley Smith. Like they're returning essentially the same roster. That's pretty rare for a cup winner. And, you know, you look at their lineup and and there's no big holes there as far as injuries. And the, they were so um, methodical in the playoffs, so dialed in, and it seems to have, have rolled into this season. And I think I was thinking about this the other day. Like we're in an era where repeating is fairly common like you know we had or maybe not necessarily repeating but winning multiple mm -hmm. cups with the same core right you know whether it's la chicago tampa i might be missing someone else yeah. it you know if you look over the Vegas. last two decades yeah. and and so it it it's i think we're in that that pocket of time where once you have that core that has gone on long runs and then finally wins the thing and then comes back with a certain swagger um it's doable. Obviously, there there are occasions when it doesn't happen. Otherwise, we'd see it back to backs all the time. But I think it's uh, it's pretty notable that they've gotten off to this this strong start because you can understand the the Stanley Cup hangover, right, guys? Like, you know, you you go through this long arduous process of winning the cup. Everyone's beaten up, and then you take that huge sigh of relief and have these parties and celebrate and go on a parade, and then you got to get back to business, and it's got to be hard to to ramp back up. I know these guys are professionals, but they're also human too, where it's like, I achieved the goal. 
that I always wanted to achieve. I, I reached the top of the mountain to to use your word, Dave, and uh, and then they and then they 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 have to kind of get it all together for the start of the season. And so you understand why these guys, these teams, get off to poor starts. But Vegas has has bucked the trend. So props to them, and they're really deep. And they proved last year the the whole goaltending thing. Um, as far as paying uh, a high price for for an elite goalie is not necessary if your system can insulate your goalie. Um, and, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on everything you said there, John. It's like nobody <laughs> even talks about Robin Leonard, right? Like he's just, yep. it's just like, yeah, Robin Leonard is just not playing right now. Um, and we obviously, we want to ask you about the Jets, your thoughts on the Jets through the first four games. But I, I was texting with you earlier this week. And, and I have to ask you about the Drew Doughty article because I already knew you were an excellent writer, but this is an amazing piece. For those who haven't read it, it's, it's a long-form piece. Uh, it's called The 15 Shades of Dewey. Whether or not you're a big Drew Doughty fan or not, I highly recommend you read it. We'll, we'll, we'll tweet it out. We'll send it out, the link, uh, on the Illegal Curve social media channels. Um, I don't even know if I mentioned this to you when we were texting. I've always been a big Drew Doughty fan. In fact, I... I got Doughty put on my uh, Team Canada Olympic jersey. He's Since he came into the league, he's always been one of my favorite players, and that's probably why I appreciated this article even more. And there were a lot of things, like there's a lot there, and, you know, talking about how he's led the Kings in ice time every season. And it's also crazy that Doughty's about to play in game, career game 1100. Like that made me feel really old uh, that Doughty's already played 1100 or about to play 1100 games. And there were a lot of good things in there, like Doughty talking about, you know, how everybody was writing him off three years ago, looking at his advanced stats. And then what does he do? Well, he had, what did he have, 52 points last year. Uh, we just saw him here in Winnipeg, and he looks like, I mean, he's 33 years old. He looks like 25-year-old Drew Doughty, as far as I'm concerned. I still think he's a top 20 defenseman. One of the things I also loved that you talked to him about was he has three daughters. Uh, and being a girl dad, I really like that. Him just talking about how he likes, you know, seeing his kids. And obviously, one of his kids is named Naomi, which is my wife's name. So I got to get that in there as well. <laughs> I guess, John, you know, just, um, you know, a roundabout way of, of just asking you, like, you know, how 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 much of a pleasure was it to to write this article and just go, you know, as deep as you did into Drew Doughty, who's obviously, you know, one of the greatest personalities in the game today. Yeah, it was really fun. And a huge part of it was the personality mixed with the quality of player, right? How often do we see a star level talent, you know, express himself the way that Drew Doughty does? I mean, this guy's not afraid to step in front of a mic and, and say what's on his mind. I think it, it's kind of interesting, like in, in in analyzing sort of his his sound bites, he certainly gives out cliches and and you know he he falls back on on certain uh, phrases, but like he'll just drop an F-bomb when there's a scrum of 10 <laughs> reporters and, and the camera's rolling. Like he just, he just doesn't care. He's very unfiltered. And I think you can, you can really appreciate that uh, in today's uh, day and age. And he, he, his career arc is quite interesting. I mean, he had two cups and two gold medals and a Norris by 25, like he had done it all. So, you know, a part of you goes, okay, like, is this guy just going to fade into the background or is he going to try to really push for more Norrises? Uh, you know, does he want to, climb the mountain as far as points like where, where's his where's his uh his career really going and the where it's at now is that he's him and mikey anderson are one of the best shutdown pairs in the league and i you know i asked drew a few times uh we sat down for about an hour in la in september and i asked him about you know style of play adjustments over the years and he goes uh like the way that that we won the cups the way that i played during those years 
I, I'm not straying from that. Like he's like, I can go out there and, and get 70 points. I can go try to get a hundred points, but you give something away when you, when you push, push it offensively and you got to admire that, right? Because uh, there's obviously ego involved there and he has seen people write him off for, for various reasons. And a part of it is, you know, you look at his point totals and well, like you said, Ezra, he bounced back last year with 52, I think in 78 games or something very good. Um, he's not quite, you know, at my car level. Right. Um, so he's super interesting to me, super fascinating to me as far as a player who he's only 33. So he's not exactly exiting the, the league right now, but mm-hmm. he's certainly seasoned 15 years in LA. He's, he's, he's seen a rebuild. Um, he's, he was un, upset early on in the rebuild and now he's fully on board because they are now challenging for, for playoff series wins and whatnot. And, um, yeah, fatherhood changed him. Um, he's gone to therapy over a few things uh, because he has, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, I guess uh, mental health issues in terms of uh, uh, the way that people view him. It really affects him. Um, and I think you have to admire him for for coming out and speaking openly about that, right? Yeah, like it's one of those things too, right? Where you look at Drew Doughty and you're like, you kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, you're like, this guy's a typical jock, right? Like he's, you know, he's always chirping on the ice. He's always, he's naturally gifted uh, athletically. You know, he's got a hundred million dollars in the bank. Like you think of all guys, he wouldn't care about like TSN not having him on the Olympic team in, in 2022 when they're doing projected rosters, but that like actually ate him up inside, which is, and again, like it's, it's very human of him to, to react that way. So I appreciate the candor on his part. Um, but it's also one of those things where you're like, who cares, Drew? Like you're one of the best uh, defensemen in the world. Just go out there and do your thing. Right. So it's, it's a very, um, uh, I guess, Drew Doughty thing where he's kind of, you know, he's, he's marching to the beat of his own drummer in a lot of ways. You know, John, I'd love to talk to you about Jack Hughes or Connor Bedard, but we'll talk about attendance issues, but not locally, not just focused on Winnipeg. Because you'd think that the only city that in the NHL that was experiencing problems with crowds was Winnipeg based on some of the uh, hyperbolic uh, coverage the last few days. But I think if you look at what happened in San Jose, if you look at what happened in Buffalo, uh, it's not just a Winnipeg thing. It's it's across the league where attendance issues are um, a problem. And so do you think this is a trend or do you think this is simply just October hockey with lots of other things going on? And and also a function of what the economy looks like in a lot of these markets. Well, first of all, I, I definitely called uh, Drew Dave before, so my uh, bad on that. <laughs> um, I considered but... it. I considered that the greatest compliment anyone has ever paid me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, the double D there. The Ezra's a, an easy one. It's a DM. To, yeah, it's the DM. DM. That's the problem. DM, well, and John, we're all wearing blue for some reason today, so that's <laughs> yeah. understandable. Although I do appreciate that Dave always has a fireplace going. It could be like the middle of summer, uh, as has been in the case uh, previously, and he's got that, that fireplace running. Um, attendance issues. I would say, you know, it's it's complicated, right? Because I think it's it's it depends on each market. Like in San Jose, I mean, why would you go to a game at this point? Uh, whether it's, you know, you're you're fully involved in, in what's going on locally with, with the San Francisco 49ers, and, and that the type of NFL team that they have there, or you look at at the trajectory of this team this season and you go, eh, I'll pass. Or there's there's just uh, other things to spend your money on. Um, you know, with 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 Buffalo and and Winnipeg, um, I would say both closer to concerning than, than San Jose. Um, 
you know, from what I gather, some fans are upset in Winnipeg about, you know, things such as customer service by, by the team. So you're like, okay, I get it. Like, if you feel like you're, you're not being appreciated, then that's your way of showing your, um, your disinterest or your, or your displeasure. Um, I wonder if in, in Winnipeg, some people are, are responding to, you know, Kevin Shoveldayoff still being the GM. Obviously, the extensions are nice on paper, but maybe there's people out there that go, you know, I, I didn't want to bring back Shifley and, and Hellebuck. It's possible there are people out there. Um, Buffalo, oh, man, they have the, the longest playoff drought in, in the history of the NHL. So I think that one is probably a wait and see uh, in terms of uh, doling out your, your dollars uh, after so many years of, of just horrendous teams. Mind you, they're, they're a very exciting team, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot um, to Hard be up. excited about and a lot to – bring you into the rink, whether it's Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, and and then the whole bunch there. Um, aren't these but... issues, sorry, John, aren't these issues, uh, you know, for a lot of the a lot of the markets, you know, maybe not the biggest markets, not the New Yorks, not the Torontos, maybe not mm-hmm. the Montreals even, but there were times when the Habs had soft attendance going back, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, I, you know, it just seems to, it's a systemic issue in that there's too many games, at least this is my theory, too many home games, that are ultimately not significant or that you you know the value for the dollar isn't there especially when you can watch that same game at home for pennies on the dollar while while doing a lot of other things i mean you know it, it's hard to sell a monday night against san jose in february in any market and i think it's just a function of of the league and the schedule are are not necessarily built for long term success at times yeah, I'd say the the home opener not doing well right. attendance wise in Winnipeg is is curious is is a more of an eyebrow raiser than the second and third I game of the season because you just think that's an automatic sellout, right? Should be um, whether it's corporate dollars being pumped into filling the building or just people being fired up and that's the one game they go to all year. And um, also, John, I, eleven. Sorry to interrupt you. Eleven thousand yeah, yeah. five hundred against oh. the defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, right? yeah and, and even Thursday even L A. L A. Obviously, they're bringing back Dubois. Like you think that. The, the three games that they've had so far, you know, even Florida, obviously not like a, um, a, a prestige Palmer, team, the but they are the, cup, they are the they are the they are the cup finalists in Paul yep. Maurice and Matthew Kachuk. I mean, he's a must see player in the NHL now. Um, oh, so it's not like you had Columbus as the opener and it's like, OK, you hand wave it away like they've had some pretty good matchups so far. So certainly it's concerning and, you know, not not to go down this road too much, but. um. Like the NHL is listening on expansion, they're obviously going to keep an eye on Arizona and where to to, to potentially move them for relocation. Um, it's really kind of an interesting time as far as where the NHL's heads at, as far as maybe adding more teams um, or just you know moving teams around. I'm not trying to say Winnipeg's going anywhere. I don't think they are, but it's just um, them adding more really teams throws another another green. log on the fire. It's Sorry? just greed. It, you know, the, the idea that there needs to be a 33rd or 34th team in the yeah, NHL where true. where half these teams can't, you know, can't, you know, half these teams have rosters that are atrociously bad, yeah. you know, in the in the depths of it. It's nothing but greed. I mean, it's just so that the owners can can reap $800 million in, in, a, in an expansion fee or whatever the price is going to be. If you I have mean, 34 teams, guys, I mean, there's going to be some watered down, well, watered so down I, teams. That, so what happens? Yeah, that's 50, fans, 50 players from another league right now, AHL, KHL, whatever. Right. 
so being injected say- like that that waters down the the product significantly and i think it's short it would be short-sighted if they decided within the next five years to go from 32 to 34 um but i understand like you it'll probably be a billion ezra by the time sure. uh, they get around to it a billion dollars in the owner's pocket around the league yeah to welcome a new franchise let's say and this is all hypothetical but let's say they bring two in that's two billion dollars and the players don't get a cent to that because it's not included in the hockey related revenue so you can certainly talk yourself into being in the shoes of uh nhl head office or an nhl owner and going i'd love 34 teams but as far as the long-term view i think it's already a watered down league and drew got your name right thank you uh, the 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 82 game schedule i think if you were to re calibrate the league like start fresh um you know no sort of uh incentives on on any side you know i think 70 uh maybe some somewhere in the 50s would it be an appropriate amount of games just to sort of spice up every matchup because 82 is a slog um we all love the playoffs and we think you know, obviously you could tweak it, but like that's that's really where where they got it right. Um, so to have such a long, torturous uh few months to get there, yeah. uh, in some of these markets, like for example, San Jose, you can understand the the apathy in the fan base. Uh, completely. And then I mean it it it's the solutions are staring the NHL in the face if they really were interested in solutions with, and I don't believe that they are, they're interested in just milking everything for every last dollar. And I, you know, and so be it, that's their, that's their prerogative as the owners. And then, and then that's the prerogative of the fan base to either support or not support. That's the flip side to the whole equation. And, you know, they'll either, it'll either recalibrate itself or it won't, or, you know, so be it, whatever it ends up being, you know, John Mattis of the score is our guest here on the illegal curve hockey show Saturday morning, John, you know, which team, from your perspective, I know it's very early, so it's you know the panic button is still you know got some dust on it. But if you were you know if, if you're looking around the league, which team you know is, is sort of screaming out that hey, there's a bit of a situation here, and, and we're not sure if it's gonna uh, how easily it's gonna resolve itself. I think my mind immediately goes to Tampa Bay. As far as I was already really unsure about Jonas Johansson as their backup heading mm-hmm. into the season with Vasilevsky as the starter. Like I thought that him as a backup was a huge uh, question mark. Uh, them sort of going into a really important season with, with someone who had very little experience and, and limited upside. And then Vasilevsky gets hurt. He's out for, he's going to be out for two months. And all of a sudden Matt Tompkins of, of the Canadian Olympic team um, is, is, is the other guy in the crease. And I just think like, I totally get wh- how they ended up in this situation. I mean, this is a team that, has suffered the most during this flat cap era as far as losing uh, depth pieces. But um, that's really shown the goaltending. And if you look at their roster, their lineup, um, man, does it it tail off after the first, say, five forwards. It, it drops down significantly after the first three defensemen. It drops down significantly. And I just think if you go through three or four summers of losing depth, like it's going to catch up to you at some point. So although I believe in the, the the top end of the roster and I'm by no means shooing them away after whatever, four or five games, especially a team with such um, pedigree, I'm quite concerned about, about how the season is going to go for Tampa Bay. I mean, um, you know, if you look at their bottom pair, if you look at their fourth line, um, 
and and you compare it to even like a, a middling team in the league, you're going to take that middling team's bottom pair and uh, and fourth line. That that's how bad it's gotten. Um, so I think Tampa jumps off the page. I mean, I'm a little concerned about about Edmonton as far as uh, the results so far, uh, especially. You know, we talk about the Jets and, and the, the high level of competition they've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmonton's kind of been on the other end of it and um, had some some pretty difficult yeah. losses. But I'm, I'm not worried about them overall because of, you know, 97 <laughs> the and factor. So, yeah. yeah. So, John, I apologize to everybody for this next question, but I've been a Devils <laughs> fan for 20 plus years. And there's been some lean years as a Devils, Devils fan, but not so much anymore. I think you know who I'm going to ask you about here. Jack yeah. Hughes, he leads the NHL in points right now. Not sure how many people saw his overtime goal yesterday. He had four points against the New York Islanders. Uh, and obviously he had one of the qu- more quiet 99-point seasons last year with Connor McDavid putting up 153. But I think it needs to be talked about that, you know, Jack Hughes might be, you know, in that 120 to 130-point range this year. I mean, and again, I, I am a biased Devils fan here, but I mean, just how impressive – has his play been so far this year? Maybe none of us should be surprised based on what I said, you know, earlier that he put up 99 points last year for the Devils. Yeah, he's steadily progressed here, right, over his career as far as the underwhelming rookie season, needed to bulk up, um, did so. And I, I think he's really added a a shooting element to his game over the last couple of years, and that's that's really shone through. And I, I'm, I'm quite high on the Devils. I think that they have a tremendous amount of firepower. Meyer. Thank you for joining Foley. me, by the way, John. There's there's Hughes. a lot of room on this bandwagon. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much on the bandwagon. Um and and Hughes is, is the, the driver there, right? And I think it, it can't be discounted that having Nico Heeshier as the number two center or whatever one B center allows him to be, you know, cheat a little bit, allows him to be Mr. Offense, whereas on some teams, your number one center needs to, you know, just pay a little more attention to what's going on um, off the puck, but like Hughes always had that tremendous skating, right? I mean, like if, if, if we're talking in on the planet right now, he's what a top five skater, top 10 at worst. And he's, he's got confidence for days, whether it's off the ice or, or how he acts on the ice. And I think that 120 points is, is certainly attainable. I think that he's, probably going to win an Art Ross at some point just based on, you know, maybe McDavid has a down year, gets injured, whatever. I think he is part of that that a select few that can challenge McDavid on um, at some point in his career. And I think that, you know, having some playoff success, or I should say playoff experience last year, you know, limited success, um, is, a, is another, you know, feather in his cap as far as moving the ball forward and, and being the guy in New Jersey. And here's one for you guys. Like, so coming into the season, uh, McDavid, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews. I think that's fair to say that's the top five players in the world consensus. Like, you know, you can quibble with the order. Sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Matthew Kachuk and, and, and Jack Hughes have the ability to, by the end of this season, show us that it's actually a top seven and that, you know, maybe McDavid will be number one. But from two to seven, you could argue – all day until you're red right in the face as to who's two, who's three, who's four. I think that their Hughes and, and Kachuk are just their trajectories are are they're, they're sort of the, the, the way that the arrows pointing for them is going to bring them into that group. 
it's a good problem to have for anybody who, who for any team that has any of those players you just mentioned that's for certain john mattis is the national hockey writer for the score.com we remind everyone check out his recent article about drew dowdy a great long read if you're looking for something to do this weekend awaiting the start of the jets and the oilers later on tonight john always a pleasure to get together thanks so much for joining us this morning and uh, we'll keep working on the commercials to make sure that we keep uh, entertaining you uh next time you come back i actually Tell don't think you have to run. you don't have to work on them at all i think you just roll them out for eternity no, no. here they're, i mean they're i'm perfect. just saying continue to improve on them is what i meant <laughs> continue to, to fine-tune them just a little bit like that well no no notes for me keep it up guys love the show and uh thanks for having me on thank you john, Cheers, Be well, john. Buddy. thank we'll, you we'll talk again real soon there he goes john mattis from the score joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey check show. out that drew dowdy article i i yeah. promise you you're gonna enjoy that whether or not you're a huge fan like i am it's a great read. John's, a, uh, in addition to being a great guy, he's a great writer. So I would recommend yeah. checking that out. Agreed wholeheartedly. Reminder to everyone, late night tonight, legal curve after dark, probably somewhere around 1145, 1150 in that vicinity. You just Yours have a sleepover tonight, Drew, because it's going to be so late. Like I can just, you know, maybe you can set up a cot in your basement or something. Yeah, as per the uh, court order, you are still not allowed on my property and that's not going to change. <laughs> well, especially but, uh, with this virus. I don't think Laura's going to appreciate that. Well, the funniest thing is, too, Drew, what was it on Wednesday when I told you I wasn't going to be doing the post-game show? And Drew Thursday. was basically shielding his children because yeah. people who don't know, Drew and I always see, Drew and I are responsible for pickups uh -huh. uh, at our children's school, whereas our beautiful and talented wives uh, do the drop-offs. I believe Laura does the drop-off, right? Sometimes she the pickup. Yeah. So Drew was shielding his children from uh, me and my yeah. virus. But I shield my children from you on a regular basis, regardless sure. of your health status. So it had nothing sure. to do with your cold. It just had to do with good parenting and and, and avoiding the creepy guy in the corner. As per Sam usual. did give me a high five uh, on Wednesday, though. Yes, he was disciplined accordingly by uh, at home. And we, <laughs> we we cut off his hand as a result, uh, just to make sure we didn't want anything spreading. Well, but I got to give you credit. You, your kids are, they're good looking kids. They're well behaved kids. And I believe my kids were like banging on your card. Like my kids are, are, are crazy. <laughs> what like, I want to know kids are really well behaved my kids are just like loud and i mean what, don't get me wrong i love them but they are your kids animals. are energetic and and rambunctious like yeah, they should they're like, be they're like me, but what i want to know as he is i put my kids then my kids went into the car and we and, and we got in the car and then i saw you and your children walking far past your car where were you going okay that's a good question so we live about i don't know i guess you called it about a block and a half we're yeah. very close. We're like a five minute walk from, from the school. Brock Gordon yeah. school is where our kids go. And um, there's a dog at the corner of the street, like the next block. And it's a do little dog named Ellie. It's a little puppy. And my kids absolutely love it. So now like the owner of the dog literally will come out every day around like, you know, 435, 440. So that's where we were going. The kids oh, love okay. to, to see Ellie the dog. I honestly thought that you may have forgotten that you drove to the school and said we're just walking home because Possible. it's so close. I mean, you yeah. know, I'm like, where is he going? He's walking right past his car. The reason I drove is because we were picking up pizza. Usually, like, most yeah. of the time I walk. I mean, let's yes. be honest. I have no reason not to walk two blocks. I mean, no. I could lose some some of my 240 pounds. It's not really going that well so far because I eat, keep eating all those Viva Puffs and pumpkin pie. But, um, yeah, so that's really, you know, what we're what we're talking about here. Well, if you enjoyed this debacle of a show, just wait till tonight's post-game show when Ezzy and I get back together a little bit later, closer to midnight tonight. Dave, I'm getting a well-deserved night off tonight. The Jets and the Enjoy Oilers. Enjoy the Mitzvah, Dave. Yes, the Jets and the Oilers.
Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to listen to you guys blather about school, this, that. The folks, the people want to hear the Manuk Moose Minute. No, actually, the reason I did that is because before the Jets game, if you want a little appetizer, yeah. the Moose are playing their rematch with the Wild. And if you want to be in the IC zone, Send me an email, Dave, at IllegalCurve.com. We've got some free tickets for you, so you can go see tonight's Moose game. Uh, I'm not going to go too far into it. Yesterday, the Moose were in cruise control, had a sloppy second period, too many penalties. Kyle Capobianco scored his first. Brad Lambert scored his third goal in three games. Parker nice Ford, shot by Lambert, Dave. It was a real nice shot by Lambert. Parker Ford came out in a 55 jersey, even though he wears 25 to start the second period. Turned out he had gotten blood on his jersey, and they were still cleaning it. And they didn't get a chance to get it done before the period started. Did it? Did it say Shifley on the back, or did it say? It did Ford not. On it actually back? had. It actually had no name bar on the back. It's, I've never seen anything <laughs> like awesome. it before in my entire life, and so that was pretty funny. He said it was either that or a practice jersey. So uh, we've got that video if you want to check it out on illegalcurve.com in the notes. And then quickly, I should mention because let's get it out there. Uh, Thomas Millich, the 23, 20, 23 fifth rounder, made his pro debut yesterday for the Norfolk Admirals in the CHL. He uh, lost in a shootout, but he had a 9-13, I think, save percentage. Rutger McGordy, goal and assist for Michigan in their 7-1 win. He's currently leading the NCAA in scoring. Jacob Julian, the fifth rounder from 2023, the other fifth rounder. He had a nice goal for London. And Colby Barlow, he scored his sixth goal in six games for Owen Sound, the 2023 first rounder for Winnipeg. He is scoring some goals for uh, his club. So, Lots going on, and if you want, uh, you just read your tweets from last night. We could just say go to at IC Dave because you tweeted all that out last night. I know, but I mean, I'm not suggesting that everybody follows me on Twitter. I mean, I hope you do. I hope you follow all of us on Twitter. But if you don't, then this is supposed to be a show about information, Ezzy, and I'm providing information (laughs) to people who may not be aware of Twitter. Twitter isn't everything, so I'm trying to provide a little infotainment a combination of information and nonsense that you can only find with us here on the illegal curve hockey show so thank you to dave m for that update if you want to go to the moose game send him an email dave at illegalcurve.com. and while you're at it follow him at ic dave on twitter at ic and yours truly at ic drew yes if you don't like to call it twitter as per matthew thompson you can call it x or whatever the hell you want to call it it doesn't matter to us Nonetheless, tonight, Jets and the uh, Edmonton Oilers. So post-game later on tonight, keep it locked to IllegalCurve.com all day long. Morning skate for the Jets coming up in about a couple hours' time. So you can stay tuned for all the latest news on that on IllegalCurve.com and, of course, on our social media at IllegalCurve. Big thanks to Jeff Hamilton. Big thanks to John Mattis. Big thanks to all of you for joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show. If you haven't already done so smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us feedback here, there and everywhere. We'll always like to know what you think about this show. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors who make this show, the sat, the post game show, the website, a possibility, our friends at rumors, restaurant and comedy club, Linda market, dental center, Zapia group, realty, Betway, tough duck, Boston pizza, Seagram's Rollies transfer and the, 
the rink guys support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. Until about uh, 12 hours and 45 minutes from now, we hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.